welcome to the 212th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in a world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. <laughs> big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter and be really cool by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome and if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. We've been talking, or I've been talking about uh, Avengers West Coast, West Coast Avengers from 1989, John Byrne run, the Vision Quest storyline. And this week, this week might be the last part. There's an aftermath. We'll see about that. But you can see all about Master Pandemonium, Wanda and Vision's kids, me cracking up. I I can't take Master Pandemonium seriously. But you can hear about that. And then uh, I'm going to talk about a couple movies and stuff coming up. So 30 minutes, extra 30 minutes, because this might not be enough, for some reason, might not be enough podcast for you. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three, and that is ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. Okay, this week, uh, big news, I'm just going to jump to it. You know what, What if, if you've read the title, you look at it, you know what, Cop Shop is a movie feature and other, uh, there's actually going to be like kind of sort of three movie features, mini, mini, whatever. You'll hear it. <laughs> just just listen, keep listening. Uh, first thing, I want to see how fast I can go through the news. Uh, I don't think it's going to be fast. Uh, Hawkeye trailer is finally out. Uh, I'm so excited about this show. You know, I... I like Jeremy Renner as an actor. You know, he's 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 an interesting actor. Just I don't know what he what he's like as a person, and you know, because he he seems like he's a cool guy, and you know, he's done some good movies. Even that what was that tag, that the the slap movie tag, whatever. He was he was fine in that. As when he was cast as Hawkeye, I was like, I, that doesn't seem like what I would want from Hawkeye, but he does a good job as Hawkeye. I have to admit that, even though. He wouldn't be, don't, don't ask me who, I don't know who my, my top choice is because I don't know if the top choice exists. He does a good job, but I don't know. But well, anyways, looking at the trailer, it looks good. I'm sure I'm going to love it despite my weird whatever. He he is Hawkeye. So Haley Steinfeld, I, I have an appreciation for her. I haven't seen her in a lot of things. I thought uh, Bumblebee was really good for a Transformers movie. I was like really surprised when I saw him. Like I'm gonna go see Bumblebee, whatever. And I was like, why are they making this movie? It doesn't make any sense. It's happening before Transformers. I don't understand. And I enjoyed it. And I, I think that was the first time I had seen her in anything. I don't even know what it, it, I'm. Was she in Disney stuff before? Disney, some Nickelodeon. I don't know. It seems like all the young actors and actresses. <laughs> it seems like it's more like young actresses. They've all been in some like either Disney or Nickelodeon show, but I, I don't know. Uh, but she was really good at it. And then I have watched, I realize I haven't finished the second season of, um, what's it? Uh, what's that show on Apple Plus? It's not M- M- Emily, M- the, the poet. I think there's one more. Dickinson, Emily Dickinson. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, but I think there's one more season coming out. That's like the third and final season. And I would love for her to do more Kate Bishop. I mean, I I love Kate Bishop. I think she's an awesome character. And I'm really looking forward to this. We even have the the, the tracksuit mafias. I hope we have Ivan, the landlord bro, 
Oh, that would be so cool. <laughs> you got the bros in the trailer. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for this. Uh, and so anyways, check that out. Coming out in November. I shouldn't be, I, I could be, I could just sit here and, and say how excited I am, but that, that wouldn't be too, too fun, I guess. <laughs> Netflix. I'm just going to jump all over the place has a, they're doing a Grendel live action series. I think that is awesome. Eight episodes. Uh, I, I love Grendel. I admit I haven't read like every single Grendel comic. And I think part of the, the reason, my, my excuse, is when I, I didn't start reading Grendel from like the first issue. I kind of jumped into it. And I think, wasn't it put out through Kamiko, um, the company that just like disappeared or went bankrupt or so, I think something happened. I could be totally wrong. So there is a, and because Grendel wasn't like a top tier, you know, t- most popular character it was harder to get back issues at least for me you know back then in the day this is when i was younger and we didn't have the big huge or at least i wasn't aware of the big huge comic conventions and all that so i read a lot and then i think it was dark horse started putting out uh more consistently but then there were there are newer you know different versions we didn't really we would occasionally get hunter rose but then we'd get these other ones and remember there's like this future like warlord or like big beefier grendel but something with the hunter rose just like kind of like the sleek and you know the rich dude and the thief and whatever <laughs> i don't know if i'm totally getting it wrong i'm excited for this i i can't can't wait for this um i i think it's it i i'm i'm happy for this and it was interesting uh i saw like one one site that I won't mention any names, which you can maybe figure out. They they posted about about this, and I'm wondering is like, does anyone working at that site even know anything about Grendel? Well, I mean, maybe now they do. But back, anyways, <laughs> that's that's all I'm gonna say about that. Uh, Amazon, I'm really jumping all over the place. Amazon is doing a live action Shira show, and that's so weird because it. It, it, I guess the the weird thing is that it's not Netflix because you would think the Mattel stuff, you know, because Netflix has a She-Ra animated series and this show has nothing to do with that series. It's going to be totally different. They have the Kevin Smith he, he, She-Ra or Tila show. I mean, He-Man show or whatever, Masters Universe show, Revelation. They have that new uh, He-Man Masters and the Masters Universe, like kids show, like the it's more for kids. They have all this like He Man and she, you know she I consider She Ra He Man even though it's like separate, but then Amazon so somehow the rights were available separately, which is cool and it's weird. I mean, great for Mattel or whoever if Mattel owns all the rights, you know that they're able to shop each thing separately and make their money off these deals separately. But it's just weird that it's not all under the same house or umbrella or whatever you want to call it. So. We'll have to see about that. Um, as far as the the kid Skeletor or the kids He Man thing, so apparently some people are kind of confused or freaking out or or just whatever about Skeletor's origin. Because so I haven't watched the the kid He Man show, and I don't know if I can. Watching that trailer, I mean the 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 CG whatever style. Okay, it, I I take take some license, creative license, interpret it a little differently. Do give us something different. Cool, awesome. You know, be creative. Do that. But looking at that trailer where he has like a group of friends and then they all start getting powers and they all know his secret and it's just it looks. I, I mean, I I don't know if I could watch without my like rolling my eyes all the time. 
and it, it, that's fine. Maybe it's not if it's for younger, younger kids or you know whatever <laughs> younger than I am. Because uh, that's totally fine. I'm totally okay with that. I never have to watch a single episode if it's not for me. I'm not. I don't. I'm not worried about missing anything or anything like that. But I apparently in the show they've decided that Skeletor is He Man's uncle, and people are like, "What? That, whoa, what?" But that's nothing new. And, you know, reading a little bit, because there was a comic, I don't know if it was James Robinson that did it, because, you know, James Robinson was going to do the one He-Man series, and then stuff happened, and then at that ended up not, not happening, or it got re-whatever. But I, there, I remember there's a one-shot, I, I feel like it was James that, that wrote it, I don't know if it was him or not, but in that comic, they basically said or insinuated that Skeletor is uncle. I was like, wow, that's that's a pretty bold move. And then I looked it up, but I, I was like, did whoever was working on this comic in DC just decided to do this? I was like, wow. And then I did a little research and I was like, oh, they actually hinted at this before. There was like some, it was either a web comic or a comic that came with a, a toy. It wasn't like an original He-Man stuff. It was like later. There was like something else where they strongly hinted or insinuated that this was the case. Whatever, I mean, long story short, <laughs> which is something that doesn't happen for me, this Netflix show, it's not like they're like, hey, let's just make them. This is something that's that's been sort of on the table before. And so it's not like they're just taking huge creative liberties. So whether you, if, if you don't like it or you do like it, they're not the ones that just decided to do it. This is something that's been there hovering around. But now they're straight out saying that this is the case. I'm pretty sure that comic that I'm talking about I feel like, um, I don't think it was Philip Tan that did the art. I think Philip Tan was going to do the art with the James Robinson. I'm, I'm my memory, man. Uh, so, anyways, th- I think that's interesting. And whether that's it's a little too close to home to make it, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, you know, it's just like, like, oh, spoiler, spoiler, Darth Vader is Luke's dad and all the galaxy. What a coincidence, but. I mean, it just it makes a, a more of a connection, so that's fine. Whatever. There was a teaser trailer for and a, a poster for Lock and Key season two. I'm excited for this. Uh, I I've enjoyed the comic, even though I will I, I've admitted I haven't read all of it um, for whatever stupid reason. Um, but I, I really liked like when it started out and everything. And I really enjoyed the first season of the show. I, I think they had a great cast. Those kids did an awesome job in, in, in the characters and, you know, just creating them and fleshing them out or whatever like that. So I'm really excited for season two, which is uh, October 22nd is coming out. So that's going to be here real soon. So you can check that out. Anthony Mackie is going to be doing a Twisted Metal TV series. I don't know where this is airing at. I didn't see anything about that he's playing john doe who was a, a character in twisted metal black i'm trying to think of which ones i played did i play twisted metal black i don't know if i did i'm trying to think because i remember there was one twisted metal it wasn't because i played jeez, oh, i don't even know which ones see my memory man i'm telling you i don't know which ones i i i played one and two i even have do i have twisted metal for the game boy or is that might be vigilante 8 which was that activision kind of ripoff but it was it was a cool game so, yeah, I think Twisted Metal... I remember there was one Twisted Metal that it didn't get great reviews. So I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm not going to get that because there was like some... Anyways, so so John Doe is a character who has no memories. And then he gets lured into this car combat 
extravaganza with the, the pro you do this and we'll give you answers as to who you are okay <laughs> so uh, i'm i'm just wondering how how that's going to be it's going to be interesting obi-wan kenobi the obi-wan kenobi show so sung sung king I, I i don't remember his name uh so he's gonna be in the show and i i apologize because i'm i'm stupid and i don't know anyone anything uh he said that his his character is going to have a lightsaber so let the speculation begin uh i think people are thinking he's gonna be an inquisitor and you know he, the, the other thing you know he doesn't have to be a jedi or a sith he could like maybe he just found a, how many lightsabers are floating out there. You know, all these these Jedi's were killed. When the clone troopers killed a Jedi, I would think maybe they would be instructed to pick up the lightsabers. Say it's like, hey, all right, we're gonna give you this secret order, kill the Jedi Master, and then pick up their you know their stuff. Did they, did they just leave them there? Did they they, they take the body because not all the Jedi's would have like faded away ghost style. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious what happened with the, with the lightsabers. There's got to be some mention. I would, I would think the emperor wouldn't want a bunch of lightsabers just sitting around and then people pretend because that might inspire. Even though people wouldn't be force sensitive, that might inspire them to try to create a new cult of the Jedi, which we sort of had. Uh, so, anyways, he's uh, lightsaber. So we'll have to see what what that means. I'm a little um. I'm a little worried. I'm sure they're going to do an awesome job. But if Obi-Wan is hiding out in Tatooine, no one is supposed to know he's there. So if someone tracks him down, prediction, Obi-Wan's going to have to take him out at the end. It's like, hey, I don't want to do this, but you need to leave me alone. Fight. So, oops, sorry, you're dead. Oh, well, my secret's safe. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Because that's the thing. Like Whoever this 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 character is, Obviously, he never made it back to Darth Vader or Emperor. Say, hey, I, I found that Obi Wan dude, Ben Kenobi, old Ben, and it's like, yeah, you're in hiding, but you're keeping. It. How many Kenobis are there in the universe? Is there like it's the same thing? <laughs> Anakin Skywalker has kids. He doesn't know his kids survived. We're gonna hide Princess Leia, or she's gonna be totally adopted. We're gonna call this other kid Luke Skywalker, <laughs> and where is he gonna? He's gonna live on the planet where his mom lived for a bit with this and married this Lars Owen Lars married this Lars dude and 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 we're he we're gonna keep he's gonna keep his name Skywalker <laughs> because wait I guess technically they, they Obi-Wan probably assumed did he think Anakin died because he was all toasted up I hate you <laughs> I hate you <laughs> poor Anakin man oh it's not his fault <laughs> Oh man, I could just sit here and just I gotta get focused. See, this is why the news is gonna be not fast because I, I can't focus. Um, I don't have ADD or ADHD. Dallas Bryce Howard, I guess, is rebooting Flight of the Navigator for Disney Plus. Hooray! You know, is that good? I've I don't think I've ever seen Flight of the Navigator, and people would be like, "What? What? No!" <laughs> but I've never seen it. Um, I, I think when it came out, I might have been too old to see it. Or, or like, not maybe too old, but maybe too cool. Like, I don't want to see that movie. Was it something about a wagon? Like a radio flyer wagon? And kids flying? <laughs> Am I just making things up? Am I... My, my, okay, so I'm forgetting things. My, my brain is, like, pushing all these old memories out. That's my, my way to say I'm forgetting things. Or it's, it's creating new um, history or fiction or 
whatever. Uh, Katie Sackoff teased that Bo-Katan still has some unfinished business in The Mandalorian or with The Mandalorian. No confirmation. I don't think she's necessarily like, I don't think she's confirmed the return for the next season. But the next season is not coming out till next year or maybe 2023. So we'll have to see about that. And speaking of Katie Sackoff, whom I, I did interview once for uh, Batman Year One, the animated movie, that is getting a 4K treatment um, in October. I posted about it on, on entertainmentfish.com, so you can check that out. But she was cool when I, I talked to her. And um, I, I did. I also talked to Ben McKenzie, who played... He, he, was, he was Bruce Wayne Batman. And I remember I was supposed to interview Eliza Dushku, but... She couldn't. She got like she got stuck in traffic on the way to Comic Con, and I was like, "Oh man, I, I wanted to to interview her, but that didn't happen." Um, so it's it's coming on 4K. So that that's awesome news. It's remastered, and there's like a new special feature and stuff like that. So you have that to look forward to. Uh, what else do we have? Um, HBO Max. Speaking of Batman, they're supposedly tr- developing a Penguin spinoff. Uh, from the Batman, so Colin Farrell version. I don't think uh, it's like the deal is set yet. I, they're still working on it, trying to, you know, convince him to do it. I guess so. We'll, we'll have to see. But I, I think that's cool. I, I really like that how they're doing like the Peacemaker show, and I I think that's that's kind of establishing HBO. I mean, HBO Max is putting out some really cool stuff. You know, they have a lot, a, some really great original content, some like shows, you know, non superhero comic stuff. But they they got a lot of good stuff. And I like the fact that they're using this, uh, like, hey, let's like beef up our our lineup here, and you know we got this like big tentpole movie coming out. Let's do something connected to it, just to show that we are legit, that we're not like this second you know tier thing. So I, I think that that's pretty cool. Uh, what else do we have? We have uh, Haley Atwell. She's going to be voicing Lara Croft in a Tomb Raider anime series on Netflix anime series so i kind of i guess it, i mean it could be considered anime uh there's no data on anything like that so i think i think that'll work i mean yeah i mean she'll, she'll do a good job uh speaking of marvel <laughs> so the what's his name the dune director he is complaining about the marvel cinematic universe he's the latest one to bag on the movies I don't, I don't see what the point of doing this is. Because you know me, if I don't like something, I'm not going to sit and say, yeah, this sucks, I hate this, this is lame, or anything like that. Because I don't think, I mean, to an extent, I, I may, yeah, I'll, I'll admit something might not be for me, but that doesn't mean it's not okay for other people. I mean, someone else might love it, that's fine. So he's basically calling them like cut and paste movies and that. And, you know, to some extent, you can say, yeah, there, there is a formula, but you can say there's a formula for anything. You know, you look at any, like, buddy-buddy, you know, what movie, you know what's going to happen. They're probably not going to get along at first. There's going to be some big dilemma, bad guy or something like that. They're going to be forced to work to each, together. They're going to defeat the bad guys and become best friends at the end. You know, you can, you can predict that. You can't say that the Marvel's, you know, movies are all the same thing because you have, like, Ant-Man, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, those are all different. And, you know, even like Winter Soldier was more like a spy movie. And yeah, you could say, okay, Winter Soldier and Black Widow, they're closer related than, you know, Black Widow and Avenger, you know. So there's there's different vibes going on. But yeah, all the movies, there's going to be some big villain. 
and then the heroes are going to take a hit, and then they're going to end up defeating the villain, most likely. But it's just... I, I think, you know, these people are mad, but people like these movies. They're going to see these. These movies are huge. They're successful. People want these these type of movies. And I can totally get that when... Um, I mean, a lot of hard work goes into them, too. You can't say, oh, I want to do, like, this story-driven movie that that... You know, that's more cinematic, that that's better than something that's relying more on CG and visual effects. Because, you know, a lot goes into the costume design and, you know, just all that stuff. It, each of them are, I would consider, like a piece of art. Different thing. You create a cinematic vibe or you create a visual vibe. Those are two that takes a lot of skills. So I just think it's real crappy. It's It's real poopy it's 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 a it's a richard grayson move when you you just say like oh these movies suck or whatever it's like no just like don't be a baby don't be like oh wow my my work of art my cinematic art isn't making any money because people want popcorn movies of course people want popcorn movies that's why that's what where the, the term came from <sighs> so anyways he's he's complaining about it and it's, it's just like I, I mean, I think he's he's kind of really concerned that his movie is not going to be a box office smash. So he's trying to say, oh, I'm trying to do... And it's not even like he's creating something. He's making something creative. He's adapting something. And and yeah, it's... Uh, I'm sure it's like super ambitious to, you know, to do everything. I'm sure it's going to be like visually, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be really good. But it's like, whatever, dude. You know what you're getting into. And I think he's also upset. He wanted to shoot like part one and part. He wanted to do like a second movie back to back, like, you know, Lord of Rings style or whatever, back to the future two and three style. But Warner Brothers like, uh, yeah, let's um, let's see how it does first. You know, and that that's totally understandable. I'm not sure when the production was going on, if it was like before COVID or during or kind of wrapping up. But, you know, things are different now. They can't take these big risks. And. I think I mean the movie. I'm surprised it, it's the budgets. I forget what what is. It's only like around 150 million. I thought it'd be like huge because you know flying out to these other planets isn't cheap, right? But I mean you got all there's a huge cast and I don't know if they took pay cuts or whatever. But then just doing all the effects and cost costumes and I mean is it all CG? Are there any practical? Effects? I don't know. But it seems like it's, it would be an expensive movie. And, and yes, if you can do them back to back, that would save you on production costs and everything. But a studio might be like, yeah, we're willing to put this much at risk here. We kind of don't want to creep over and put another hundred million. You know, even if they could do two movies for the price of like one and three quarters, you know, instead of, you know, if they would save some, they, they can't risk that. So it's just like, dude, just promote your movie and buy pissing on another movie you're not doing yourself any favors because you're going to alienate all these hardcore you know audience because there's people that love the marvel movies more than i do i love them these people are like upset just like you have all the people that love the, the snyder movies you know <laughs> whatever dark side blessed them or raul blessed whoever superman blessed them. Zack snyder blessed him he's their god uh but yeah it's just whatever dude now, but it kind of turns me turns you off. It's like now, it's like I don't know if I want to see. I'm gonna see it. Yes, I'm gonna go see it in a the theater because uh, yeah. 
and and that's the other thing. He's like, oh, they shouldn't show this on to you. People shouldn't watch it at home. That's that's ridiculous. And but some people have no choice. If there's no theaters around you that are open, or if you have any um, potentially comprom, you know, at risk people in your household, yeah, you're gonna go to to the theater and risk your life or risk their lives. You know, even if you're vaccinated. Uh, anyways, uh, PlayStation announced, I, I think I mentioned it last, did I talk about this last week? I thought I mentioned the Wolverine thing, but there's going to be a Star Wars Knight, Knights of the Old Republic remake for PlayStation 5, and uh, I know there's some concern. People love the game. I never played it. I don't know very much. I, I think I feel like I've talked about this recently. I don't know very much about Knights of the Old Republic. I read this old this comic series that started, and I thought it was okay, but you know I wasn't invested in who these people were, and I don't even know if they're related to the game at all. But they're they're remaking the game, and there's concern. It's like okay, are they going to just completely change things? Uh, they announced I forgot who it was like one voice. I think voice actress is playing this is is coming back is returning to voice a character but they could like completely change the story and from what i know about the game i know there's kind of like this sort of big twist at the end like in the story or whatever and i won't go into specifics because spoilers whatever even though it's like an old game they may you know to, to remake the same game with that same knowing that that knowledge is out there that would kind of take away some so yeah, maybe they're going to try to do something else instead of telling that same story because you're not going to get that holy crap when you've like, you like, you get what I'm saying. All right, uh, what else do we have? I think um, that's it for the regular news. There's some comic book news. Um, DC has some new books coming out in December, which is uh, which is great because supposedly, you know, a bunch of books are going to be delayed because of lack of shipping containers and, you know, stuff from COVID and everything like that. But there's going to be a Batgirl series, and um, there's going to be Shadows of the Bat, which is coming out of Fear State. Okay. okay. Uh, and then there's going to be World of Krypton, which I think is six issues. I'm not, I'll admit, I'm, I don't know. I'm not super excited about that, but hopefully it'll be good. There's going to be Swamp Thing Green Hell. And for, I have a hard time reading Swamp Thing lately. You know, I, I, was kind of I was pretty into like some of the older Swamp Thing books, and then you know I I did enjoy Scott Snyder. I really enjoyed Scott Snyder's run, and then Charles Soule's run was was good. But like some stuff like I don't I don't know. There's something about it. It's like I just I kind of don't want to go there anymore. But we'll we'll see maybe. And then there's gonna be a One Star Squadron miniseries by Mark Russell and Steve Lieber. So that's gonna be that's gonna be something. That's gonna be cool. Uh, we also have Marvel. Marvel is a, they're putting out a Sabretooth series in January. And I'm just like, why? Why put a, give a villain his own series? And I mean, what, I don't, what, that's fine. Give a villain a series. Don't make him a, a good guy again. Cause that's just whatever. That's just dumb. I don't like that. J.M. Demetrius is going to be writing a Ben Riley Scarlet Spider series. I think this is January 2022, which is and so we know Ben Riley's coming back as Spider-Man um, next month, I think. And uh, I'm I'm really not sure what's going to what that what's going to happen. Like what's the hook? Like what's happening to Peter and what does this mean? How long is this going to last and all that? But in January they're doing sort of like a flashback um series or whatever. I'm sure it's not going to be like I'm sure it'll be a mini. Everything's a mini. But it's going to be like his days 
flashback to his days as Spider-Man. So like when he took over, when I, I'm assuming when Peter thought he was the clone and he moved to Oregon with Mary Jane and, and all that, when they were married, even though <laughs> um, the marriage disappeared and all that. So that'll be cool um, the, the, to go back. Um, because it's Jam DeMatteis, uh, you, you know, yeah, that, that, that could work. The, the kind of do these stories set back then. And, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that and hopefully, you know, it'll, it'll be as good as, as I would, would want it to be because it's all about me. Right. Uh, Marvel is putting out, I think it's like their five one shots return to the wastelands. So we're going back to the old man Logan time. And, uh, this is going to be set days in the days after the conclusion of the original old man Logan. So, cause I, I was like, wait, old man Logan's coming back. Isn't, didn't something happen to him <laughs> when he, he came from the future and all that. So we're going to have, uh, I guess it's backing up a little bit. I, I'm not really sure how this is going to work. And, uh, so we're going to get wastelanders, Wolverine, wastelanders, Hawkeye, which is by Ethan Saxon. He wrote old man Hawkeye, which I really like that comic. And there's Wastelanders, Star Lords, which I don't. Th- I don't think I like the Star Lords. Maybe it was a little just too dreary for me. But yeah, there's word Wastelanders Doom. Okay, and then a Wastelanders Black Widow. Um, I'm I'm curious about that. So we have those to look forward to. So these are gonna be like in December, and uh, yeah. So I'm I'm down with that. You know, they're one shots. So read them if you want. Don't read them if you don't want. But I think it could be interesting to. To go to go back to the wastelands, and with that, oh my gosh, thirty minutes of news. Ah, that's gonna be the news for the week. All right, with uh, comic books, maybe to make up for the time, I, I dropped the ball uh, with a couple books. So at Image, we had uh, Jupiter's Legacy Requiem issue four, and somehow I, I I have the issue. Somehow I didn't read it, and. I, uh, uh, yeah, so I, I dropped the ball there. Um, also, um, Scumbag Issue 10 came up. I, I'm having those issues. I am I had to take a break from those. I, th- I think the last one I read was like five. And it's, it's crazy how quickly this is time is passing. So I need to read those. I And maybe things got better, but I just had a hard time because I just didn't like the character. Because he was a scumbag. Whatever. Um, and then the other one I dropped about time before time issue five came out. I'm I'm this is such a weird comic. I mean the time thing and with the you know relocating people in different areas of time and this guy trying to steal the device and you know it's things are just kind of not they're not I wouldn't necessarily say they're bleak but it's just kind of not looking good for our character you know with the different organizations trying to control these time pod things and so it's it's a not that I'm like getting antsy or anything reading it, but it's just kind of like this sort of like uncomfortable. It's like, oh man, this isn't going to end end well, but maybe it will. Um, but I didn't read that. What I did read from Image is Primordial Issue 1. So this is Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. And I'm reminded a little bit of like For All Mankind. So it feels like it's like this alternate timeline going on. So... um I'm going to read the synopsis because I haven't read the synopsis. A lot of times I, I, I love reading new comics without reading what they're about. So if it's, if it's like a creative team that I, that I, I will read anything, then, you know, it's, it's easy just to jump in, but sometimes, you know, you could just get an image or a cover, or maybe hear one thing, but I, I like when I'm able to do that. 
and you know just again taking a risk trying something new you know i think that's really important so what it, the official synopsis says mind-bending sci-fi collides with cold war thriller in a six issues i didn't even know it was a six issue series six issue miniseries by the best-selling and eisner winning creative team behind gideon falls which was awesome in 1957, the USSR launched the dog Laika, Laika into Earth's orbit. Two years later, the USA responded with two monkeys, Abel and Baker. These a- animals never returned. But unbeknownst to everyone, they did not die in orbit. They were taken. And now they are coming home. So what ends up happening, what's not mentioned here, and it's not like a huge spoiler, but like after this, the space race was kind of like stopped um russia and the u.s they're like all right we give up this 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 isn't working we're not going to invest any more money in this we're we're done with this so this dude gets like uh he's like this physicist dude or something like that he gets called to this place and he's like oh cool you know everything i want to you know get involved with this and they're like yeah we're dismantling everything we're selling stuff off we need we need you to help us like sift through like what is potentially dangerous, you know, like important stuff. And then we're just going to like get rid of the other stuff. And he's like, what? And then, you know, you, you start to get more to story to like, Oh wait, something else is going on. So I'm really intrigued. Andrea Sorrentino's art is, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. Talk, talk about creating a visual vibe. I mean, there's just something about it. And, uh, um, Jeff Lemire obviously is, you know, just amazing at crafting these just different stories and everything like that. So I would say check it out. And the thing is, so it is a six issue miniseries. So you might be like, well, I'll just wait till the trade. But you know, it, it's worth reading the issues. And and also, you want to you know avoid spoilers because you know there could be some crazy twist or hook or who knows what, and you might accidentally hear about it. And then that's going to ruin it for you. So I would say, you know, read it while you can because, you know, yeah, these things happen. Um, at IDW, what I realized, Bermuda issue three came out. I don't know how I missed. I don't think I read issue two. I talked about issue one. So you know, this was, you know, Nick Bradshaw does art, which is amazing. Uh, so, yeah, somehow I missed issue two. And it doesn't feel like it was two months ago that I talked about the issue one. So I wonder if. It wasn't like a monthly thing. So I need to read those. So that's the third one I, I guess I dropped the ball on. And then at uh, Boom Studios, Seven Secrets Issue 12 came out. And this is just a, a, a fantastic series. It's Tom Taylor. The art is just amazing. Uh, and uh, I, you should be you should be definitely reading this. So uh, Danielle D. Niculio does art and i know that is probably not how you say the name uh but it's i i can't explain it at this point you know we're, we're 12 issues in but i'm just trust me i mean if you if you dig tom taylor's stuff you're gonna love this series and it's just i i love the character designs and the colors they're like really vibrant and they really work you know sometimes you know me sometimes too much color doesn't work but here it's 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 really really cool. So I, I would say just read this. Um, and I'm not gonna bother trying. I mean, I, I talk about it every month. You know, since I started reading it, so I I really suggest you you check it out. Okay, over at DC, we have um, Justice League sixty seven. So with this, there's you know more stuff aftermath of you know they're still fighting that Sinmar dude whatever. Um, 
there's some some stuff going in. It's it's weird. The, the biggest thing that we, we want to take away from here is you know Lois talks to her brother Leonard Leonard Lane, and uh, how long? I, this is what what bothers me is that we've never known she had a brother. You know, we knew she had a sister. There's never any mention of, of a brother. And now it's like, okay, we're going to create this new character who's always been around. It'd be one thing if it was like a, a brother she didn't know existed. But she's like, hey, you know, she's just like talking to him and you know, calls him up on the phone. And that's just, I don't know, it's just just weird. Um, and then what, what else is going on here? See, also, I, it feels like, again, I've read, I feel like I read this so long ago. Also, Green Lantern must come to terms with responsibility, both checkmate and the league. Ali may have to pick which path. I don't remember stuff like that. Um, and then there's a the Dark Justice League. That I don't. I don't read that stuff. Then <laughs> we had a Rorschach issue twelve. I really don't know how I, I I feel about this comic, this series. I looking at over at a uh, comicbookroundup.com. So there's seven critic reviews you don't read comics gave a 10 out of 10 dc comics news 10 out of 10 forces of geek 9.6 geek dad 9.5 monkeys fighting robot 9.0 aipt 8.0 and lyle's movie files gave it a 3.0 um did like none of the did, like no where's like all the other outlets that review does anyone else reviewing comics i know i mean you know i i don't that often but there, you know, it seems like the people that, that really like this are talking about how, like, oh, controversial ending. You're not going to see this coming, and all this stuff like that. So yeah, it was unexpected, and I I won't talk about what happened. But part of me, I was just like, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I I just I kind of lost interest, and it was just hard. I I I don't really yeah. So I don't. Maybe I shouldn't say anything more because I I don't have anything more to say about it. DC or DC. I don't know where I'm, where I'm saying. Um, urban legends so here the first story I had issues with so it was a Batman Beyond story and let's see I think it mentions yeah okay so it's in the solicit so it's spoiler Bruce Wayne gets killed he gets murdered He I think he got poisoned or something like that and Terry McGinnis he's like he's he wants to know who did it who's responsible for that so my problem is, what's the point of killing off Bruce Wayne? And it's just like, why kill off Alfred, you know, type of thing. I, I just, I don't care. I, I think it's, it's, I think it's stupid. And there, apparently, I think there's going to be a Batman Beyond comic coming in the coming months or whatever. So maybe we'll see this, you know, Terry McGinnis now, he has to be Batman without Bruce Wayne there, without his advice. You know, he's been doing it for a while now, you know, a short while. But you know he's he's established himself, so yeah, technically he doesn't need Bruce Wayne. But what is a point of killing him off? It'd be one thing if, if they're gonna say, okay, he's dying from old age. He gets killed like just, oh. So we we have that, and then uh, let's see. There's future state Cassandra Kane. Um, yeah, that and blasted future dark knight stand why can i not remember anything that I, I read these so these were were interesting stories but it it's like it, they it didn't have the oomph from like some of the other ones that we had in the the first seven issues or, or whatever or six issues 
so it was good, but you know, there's definitely some some seeds here. I I do like the fact that we have this comic, so I I think it is important to be able to showcase different characters. You know, it's one thing. Uh, we don't need to have like Batman as front and center because he has his own books. So it's 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 good with uh like the Jason Todd story. You know, he doesn't have a current series. You know, he he's had his share of them, but you know, it was, it was good for that. That was a good good story as well. And then like the Tim Drake's story was weird that that big revelations happening in this anthology series of all things, but. There's some some good stuff here, um, so you you should like look into this if if you're not reading it. Uh, the Joker issue seven. So we have more on. Uh, there's some stuff about Santa Prisca. Pris is it Prisca? Prista? Prisca? Where Bane's at? And uh, Jim Gordon, you know, he got arrested, and and you know, so he's talking to this like lady in charge of you know this lady cop whatever detective, and um, other other stuff going on and. More of the stuff with the this. Who is this group that wants Gordon to kill Joker? You know, there there's definitely some. I I don't really know where this is going. And then, uh, Barbara and Spoiler are at the bell tower, and like something happens, which is like interesting. So, um, I'm I'm enjoying this this story. Then we had um, Justice League Last Ride. So. This is uh, the Chip Zdarsky story, and I'm I'm enjoying this for the most part. You know, so they're they're protecting Lobo, which you know how I feel about Lobo, and you know this is slightly in the future. Uh, you know, the the Justice League are sort of on the outs with with each other. Um, one of their members died. I don't know if I mentioned who it was. Kind of sacrificed themselves, and. Superman's blaming Batman for allowing it or suggesting it to happen, but the this hero made that decision and and stuff like that. So they're they're getting it. They're dealing with a lot of stuff. I think was it Mongol? It's like attacking and everything. So there, there's some cool things here uh, for sure. Superman and Authority issue three. So this um, I was intrigued with the first issue and the second issue. But when it came down, oh, here's one. When it came, I just realized I didn't read something else. When it came time for me to read this, as I as my my mad scramble to try to read everything, you know, as soon as as fast as possible on all that, I was just kind of like, I was just kind of like losing interest a little bit. Uh, you know, I I like the idea and everything, but I'm not a huge Manchester Black fan, and you know, he's like a, a big part of this and. And in this series, as I've mentioned, you know, in the past, uh, time, you know, Superman's a little older. This is, you know, time has has gone, you know, because I think in the first issue he was like, you know, working with John F. Kennedy, so it's like, you know, he's aged since then to like the modern age. So he's trying to gather some other, like, sort of like a new Justice League type of thing, and and they're kind of like obscure, not not like your, the you know, common picked uh, heroes, and some of them you wouldn't even call them heroes. So yeah, I just I just started skimming after you know a few pages. So uh, I think that's just me. Batman eighty nine issue two. So this is good. <laughs> My problem with it is Harvey Dent and his like anti Batman thing. So it's but that's that's the point of it. He's it's supposed to be like that. But it's just like ugh, you know where you get that that sort of like annoyance or whatever. But again, like I said, that's that's what. 
is supposed to be happening. So it's just like, man, Harvey, you don't know what you're talking about. And uh, so, yeah, just the city kind of like attacking Batman. And uh, But it, it is cool to, to be back in this this era, you know, this movie universe, whatever. So it's definitely a, a cool comic. What I didn't read, and I, t- I don't know why I didn't get to it, but uh, Pennyworth, issue two. I liked the... The first issue, surprisingly, I, you know, I didn't think I'd like it because I was like, is this this kind of connected to the TV show, which I don't watch because I don't have that channel. But I, I did like it, and um, I, but I just I didn't get to the second issue. Titans United. So this one, stuff's like going on. And like there, there's a dude, like he's getting like the, the Titans powers and stuff like that. And so they're... Titans face their greatest challenge, their own powers, Nightwing. So what was weird, this is what turned me off a little bit. Because it's Nightwing, Donna Troy, Superboy, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, and Red Hood kick off a thrilling new case that will lead one of their own to question not only their place in a team, but their very existence. So this isn't in current continuity. And it doesn't have to be. That's totally fine. But when once you start seeing that, it's just like, okay how is this going to have any effect and i don't know why i'm hung up on this and i don't know if other people are but i feel like when i read something like it's a whole thing does this matter and that's a horrible attitude to have because when you're reading comics you should read comics that are fun and there's some cool things here but you know we, we get a lot of like you know just jason todd being kind of like a jerk to superboy and stuff like that so it feels like this is something that would have taken place like a few years ago but you know, so I guess you just take it for what it's worth and just just enjoy that. But yeah, and then um, I am Batman number one. I'm so confused on some of these books because I feel like some of these books were released digitally, digital only. So you know, and and I read digital only for the most part. So I read them, and then I feel like sometimes DC when they're they're available in print. They put them up on Comixology again, which um, doesn't seem like a good idea. You know, it's it's a way to get people to accidentally buy a comic twice. So I I, I don't know. So I I'm confused. Is like, have I read this before or not? And then because you know we we've seen the the series or just issues with Jace Fox, Tim Fox. He's going by Jace now. His name was Tim. He's going by Jace now, and you know him sort of like becoming Batman, which is weird that he's just like, yeah, I'm going to be Batman. And he has no like connection to Batman, Bruce Wayne at all. And he's just, you know, appropriating, you know, this stuff. So with this, what it turns out is I am, when I read this, I was like, okay, did I read this already? But this apparently is tied to more of the future state Batman, John Ridley Batman. So, Yeah. And then um, some other, uh, there was a Batman the World Day special and Batman Nightwatch. Batman, I was like confused by this because like Batman Nightwatch is a total out of continuity book. So I'm just, I'm, I, I'm seriously wondering, like, okay, who is this book for? Because it's taking, you know, like a step back and Batman basically is like, oh, we need to form a group called Nightwatch with a K. And it's like, okay, Batman. And, uh. It, it just it felt a little out of character <laughs> batman wants to form a group even though he's formed the outsiders but yeah i, I don't know so 
they, they were okay. And then over at Marvel, we had Black Widow. I love this series. Absolutely love it. And uh, I love Natasha and, and Yelena working together. I love Anya being here and in that um, new girl. I, I forget her name. So there's some some cool. It's 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 just good good comic. So you should be reading this, and uh, that's all I need. I think that's all I need to say about this. Eternals, Thanos rises, issue one. So when I was reading, you know, this is by Kieran Gillen, and you know, Kieran Gillen is doing um, the other Eternals comics. So I was like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll read this, but it almost felt like, and I don't know if it was because the art was different, but it almost felt like that this was either an older story, you know, like different point in time or just not fully connected to the current series or, you know, whatever Uh, it focus. So I I think it does like back up a little bit more and it does kind of tell more of the connection of Thanos, which is really weird because, you know, I know about Thanos, you know, I, I did a three minute expert on Thanos. So I had to take a deep dive into the history and all that, but there's one aspect here, like just the idea of it, it kind of dealt, and I don't know how much of this is just being. I don't. I don't want to say regurgitated, but or just retold. I guess is a way better way to say it. But I don't know how much is, has been known about the Eternals because you know the Eternals are forever, <laughs> hence the name. When they die, you know they're they're brought back, but they're not necessarily supposed to have kids. You know, with each other. You know, you can have like these offshoot, but they're not true Eternals. And then, you know, there's a question. It's like, well, what is Thanos' connection to the Eternals? You know, there is that connection there. So it kind of goes a little deeper into that. And I guess what was kind of surprising for me was just seeing more about his parents, which, again, you know, I I read back, you know, some older issues about, like, when he was born and the stuff that Thanos, you know, all that. So it was was a little enlightening. Enlightening? Enlightening? Enlightenment? It was it was interesting. I'll just put it that and don't move on. Fantastic Four, issue thirty five. This was a massive, like over 80, 80 page book, sixty years, and uh, so this is the sixtieth anniversary. This was a cool story. It was heavily on on King and the different versions of King, which is just confusing. You know, Ramatut, Scarlet Centurion, um, and uh, then there's this. What was weird? It's like wait. There's this other distant, you know, there's someone after Kang. There's this other uh, Scion. And basically, I guess what's still confusing for me is the connection with Nathaniel Richards. Because, you know, there's mention of that. So basically, the the different versions of Kang. And it's just, you know, we have Immortus, too, um, who's, like, split off. So they kind of do this competition thing. And... There's some mention like the TVA and everything here, and I feel like that's really weird that we haven't had any mention of the TVA in decades. And then, you know, they bring the TVA back on the Loki show, which was awesome, and then now they're mentioned back in the comics. Like, that's weird. And there's even mention of variants in, in the comics. Like, wow, that's that's really coincidental. But this this was a I, I, I did enjoy this. It did kind of. It felt like it kind of took some ideas where these kings, you know, they're they're after these four different pieces of tech, which I won't get into, like what and why and where it came from, but they're in different moments in time 
So they have to go and deal with these different encounters of the Fantastic Four, which is kind of cool because there's even like kind of like a cover, you know, it shows like what, where it would take place, like, you know, during that, that time. But things don't go so well for the Fantastic Four. So it's almost like they're creating, you know, branches in the timeline or whatever. So there, there's some cool stuff. It did. It was weird because it felt like this is like the never ending comic. And that's not a bad thing. But, it, you know, like I said, it was over 80 pages. So, you know, you, you get a lot of that. So it was good. And then there's Fantastic Four Life Story, issue four. So this is uh, the Mark Russell series where it's basically, it started off in uh, the 60s and they're aging normally. So, you know, they're a lot older and Reed has been obsessed with, you know, he knows that Galactus is coming. And, you know, a lot of this has caused problem, like caused problems in his marriages because he's just so obsessed with this and and just seeing, you know, uh just different things happening in life where you know not everyone necessarily is still around and um so it's 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 an interesting look at at the team and just seeing how things have changed you know because of different decisions and stuff like that so i i've been enjoying that iron man issue 12 it was was fine um i'm just i'm waiting for this story arc to be over I feel like the story arc's gonna. We're at issue twelve now. We're still kind of in the same story. So I feel like when it's, the story's over, we're gonna get another relaunch Iron Man series because I yeah, it's just when they they do these long form stories, it just kind of takes over the whole thing because usually the story arcs are like four issues or six issues and then it moves on. And this is still Iron Man, you know, out in space with what's his name, Korvac, and I just don't care about them. And Scarlet Spiders is just being totally wasted in here. I don't even know why he's here. It's just, it's that just, that pisses me off uh, the, the way he's been used here. King to Conquer issue two. This is kind of weird. And, you know, this has this totally different, you know, it, it's weird that we get two Kang books in the same week, which it happens, but be, unless you're like Batman or Wolverine, you know, it's, it's different when it's other characters for some silly reason. So we have here um, King here, and again we have like this younger version of him, and he's he's trying to escape from being the person he's going to become, which is just kind of weird. My question is, okay, how does this tie into like Iron Lad from Young Avengers? And you know we kind of get a hint of that. And but what was really cool here is there is a a Moon Knight from Rama Tut's time, you know, for, uh, you know, from a worshiper of Khonshu or whatever. So, um, and spoiler, I guess I can spoiler this, uh, Moon Knight, um, is a woman and her name is Ravona, Ravona Renslayer, maybe, I don't know. I, and I don't know if that was always a thing. So I don't really know much about, was it Ravona? Yeah, I think that's her name. Don't ask me questions. I tell you no lies. Marauders issue 24. Um, this what there's this space pirates this dude comes he's he's mad because emma frost apparently took his ship and this guy seemed kind of like a dork but he, it's like he wanted to be like suave like han solo or lando and um and then like something that he does at the end i didn't like that he was able to pull that off it just didn't seem right so i i it's Mutant, you know, X Men in space. We've seen that, you know, a bunch of times, but it just, it doesn't seem right. So yeah, they have Mars that's been terraformed, but just keep them on Earth. 
Spider-Woman issue 15. Uh, so Jessica is with her niece. And it seems like her niece suddenly aged. Because in the beginning of the series, she was like a little kid. And now I think she's still only like 15 or 16. But she's in college now. So she's apparently really smart. So you can't. And I think she mentioned that the when she saw her at her birthday party, it was like a year ago. But you can't have that much time go by in you know it's only been 15 issues so anyways they're working together and they're you know trying to um take on the bad guys whatever and and you know there's there's like the the files that she has and um jessica's gonna have to find a new place to to live because you know they're on her doorstep they're smashing her apartment and you know trying to get this information and stuff like that so it it is kind of cool to see like what like what's going to happen with her niece and you know where is this going to go then we have Darth Vader, Star Wars Darth Vader. So this is um, more like the, the War of Bounty Hunter stuff, but this is focusing more on Darth Vader and, you know, trying to get to Luke and, you know, with uh, Han still being frozen in carbonite. It just seems, you know, we know that Boba Fett has to get Han back at some point, but it seems like this is really going on a long time. I just, I guess I just assumed at the end of Empire, Boba Fett went straight to Tatooine and delivered Han, but apparently not. So it's just, it's just weird. That, yeah. And then how, yeah, all, all the stuff that's been going on. There's a, there's a lot happening here. Um, then there's Star Wars, uh, War to Bounty Hunters, Bausch, which was interesting because I don't really know much about, I, I think the Bausch costume is really cool. So I, I think when Princess Leia, spoiler, was posing as Bausch. You know, I thought that was interesting. And then uh, just, I think there was a, there might've been like a Tales of the Bounty Hunter story, but I remember there was something that it was never fully explained how I don't think, I don't think there was any stories, but somehow they had to get this costume from Bausch. So what happened to the actual Bausch for Leia to get the costume and pose as Bausch? Um, but what's interesting is in order for Leia to pull that off, Bausch has to be a little on the shorter side because, you know, uh, Princess Leia wasn't like as tall as the other. But you see that. And there's like other people like uh, with uh, Bausch. And I'm saying Bausch a lot. So this was this is I, I'm really curious about this character and seeing more of the backstory. And I, I, I think this is just a one shot. I, I would love. Yeah, I would love for there to be more to explore more of this character because I just I don't know a lot about the story. And I'm sure. There's stuff that's been written. I, I could go to like Wikipedia and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot there, but I, I didn't enjoy that. Um, Last Annihilation Wave Wakanda. I, yeah, I didn't read this because it's Annihilation. And, and then like the space, I still don't really understand what happened with the space Black Panther stuff because I read, I know I read the first issue, but I had read the first couple issues and I was just confused. How did this fit with the current stuff? And was it in the same continuity? Was it different or what's going on? And um, since I, I stopped reading it, I guess I'm, I don't have those answers. Mighty Valkyries. Um, this is the last issue, I think. This look, I, I was flipping through the pages. Gorgeous, gorgeous art. I mean, this is uh, really, really good stuff. But I, I just, I've been having a hard time reading this series because I, I don't know, I don't, not that it's like really verbose or anything, but I just, I don't, I don't think I'm like a huge fan of the Valkyries, even though I, I think, that, you know, they're, they could be cool. I, I don't, and I, you know, I love Jane Foster, but 
I don't know her as a Valkyrie. Just I don't I don't know what it is, but something's been been kind of putting me off uh, on that series. And I don't like the fact that it's the last issue. I'm I'm hoping it it turns into something else or whatever. But yeah, and you know Loki's here and Hela and you know there's just there's a, a lot of cool elements here. But I'm for some reason I just can't bring myself to read it. And I don't know maybe it's because it's like at the end of my read cycle. It's like one of the last ones. And I'm just, at that point I'm just like I just want to be done reading. I don't know. But like with um, the last comic for the week, X Men Trial Magneto. I actually read this one. This might have been this might have been a first or second. I think this. Um, I think this is the second one I read. I think I read Black Widow and then uh, Trial of Magneto. Um, so this is interesting. Still don't really know what happened. And the X-Men are, are kind of wondering what Magneto's involvement. I, I don't know why there's such a big pause there. You know, like, how is Magneto involved? And they're, they're trying to get answers um, without necessarily his cooperation. And if the Avengers show up, you know, they're there to, to kind of like claim her body, but then um, they they kind of want to stall them. So there's definitely like something going on. And then um, something happens at the end, obviously, and it's just like, what is going on here? So things are, are, are pretty bizarre. But the, what's the, the annoying thing is that they don't want to bring her back. And, you know, they, they voted that because I guess the danger to threat their what or her crimes against mutants you know to no more mutants I, I it just seems weird that they're they're making that call and i i guess it's it's not like she it's not like you know the, the x-men knows like oh if, if we die you know we're gonna come back and in the service of that but they you know they brought back other people that other mutants that weren't didn't have a say in it they're just like they're back now so it just seems really crappy that they're doing this and then you know they'll have shadow king on krakoa and Sabretooth, but so scarlet witch is a bigger villain than them because she was kind of unbalanced and caused this to happen i don't know so yeah there's that well i have to i'm i'm really curious where this is gonna go so I, i'm enjoying this series and that's is that somehow comics went shorter so that's gonna be comics for the week all right let's talk about why the last man and it's always weird when i say that when i because i've been telling like anyone who would listen like people who don't know anything about the comic and i realize you know it's like after i, I like say the title when i say why the last man they're probably like why the last man why is it the last man but no so it's a letter y and then i tell them because why because the dude's name is yorick so why the last man so it's it's amazing comic series i love the series i i for whatever stupid reason didn't read it when it first came out but then i was reading the trades i don't know where all my trades are i i hope i didn't leave any behind at at the comic buying office but i think because i have two i have like volume five and six i think they might be packed somewhere they're not on the shelf where i have some random trades and that they're not even like my favorite trades and stuff like that so they might have been from moving one place to another whatever hmm so i i hope i still have the other eight so it's eight it's 60 issues so you should definitely be reading it and if you are start have started watching it you're you're going to want to read it the the great thing about the show so uh 
FX Hulu, they dropped three episodes the first week, which you know how I feel about that, but it was it was nice to watch three episodes in a row. Uh, they they're pretty true to the comic. I mean, there, there's a lot of moments that are are very like similar and everything like that, but it's also updated. Um, I oh, I forget when the, the comic actually came out, but it's 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 before 2006. I can tell you that probably. Uh, and uh, so some things have been tweaked and everything to, to fit the current climate or whatever, and that's totally fine. I think it, it works, and and they're just minor things. So and it adds it's you know they're they're adding another element to the story in, in a way from what I recall. So it's just really good. That being said, if you are not able to watch it, but you are really curious as to what's going on, if you don't have time to watch it, if you don't have Hulu or FX, you'll here's here's what happened in the first three episodes. All right, so the first episode, uh, episode 101, the day before, it starts off, we see shots of dead animals, people, wrecked cars, passenger airplanes, all this stuff, cities, libraries, streets, like everywhere, it's just all this stuff. And then it goes three weeks after we see a monkey is going through the city streets he's <laughs> he goes to his car there's like the, one of those uh hula bobble dashboard things whatever he's like like playing with that and then he found a pen and he and york's there wearing a gas we know it's york if you whatever he's wearing a gas mask and he's like spray painting and he wrote like beth i'm alive come home why so he's like um looking in glove compartments like that when when he ampersands a monkey which we know if, if you've read the comic and he's like oh nice find it's like what am i supposed to do with that what but then uh, uh he's looking at glove compartment and then uh there's this helicopter on top of like a building that's suddenly starts shaking and it starts falling run why has to run save ampersand i was ampersand almost got smashed it was just it was kind of kind of upsetting <laughs> if, if you love little cute monkeys and then, he, then he's carrying him in like a cat carrier. Then it cuts to the day before. So we see Wise hanging upside down in a straight jacket. This like kind of happened. In a, this happened in a comic. Here he's giving lesson, like magic lessons to a kid. I don't think he was doing that in a comic, but I could be wrong. Uh, so he's like practicing to escape. And um, then the, the kid tells him, his dad said, this is going to be his last lesson. He's like, what? And he's like, yeah, he doesn't feel we're getting our money's worth, whatever. And ampersands. So this is three weeks before he has ampersander in a carrier. Then we see in Washington, D.C., who we know is York's mom, Jennifer. She's getting ready to give a speech, so she's a congresswoman. Um, in Brooklyn, there's like this addiction meeting or something like that, if I remember correctly from from the, the, the comic. But uh, so this girl gets a call. It's, this, it's York's sister, Hero. And he goes, he, he meets with her. You know, she comes, goes out of the meeting and he, he needs money. And he's like, can I get like a hundred bucks? And she's like, what, what are you talking about? Whatever. Cause his parents pay his rent and stuff like that. He says that he needs to get wine, cheese and crackers. And, um, he tells us, she's like, I'm doing it tonight. And she's like, no. And he's like, yeah, I bought a ring from this guy. He's like the, the guy from the magic shop or whatever. And she's like, how did you get a ring or whatever? She's like, mom and dad still pay your rent. Right. And she's like, you, you can't afford cheese, but you want to marry a girl. And and she's like, you you know, keep a monkey prisoner in your apartment. He's like, it's a service animal. So they they kind of argue a bit, whatever. Then she's like, fine, here's the money. She's like, don't say I didn't warn you. Then it goes to she took Oklahoma. There's like a woman's working on this like electronic device or whatever, and it it looks like it's an explosive with a cell phone, whatever. Her boyfriend, I guess, is like selling it, and he asks her to wait in the other room because they won't want to buy from a black chick, as he says. 
So it's like, what, he's selling a bomb to some racist people or whatever. So she's in the back room, and then uh, she goes out the window, and then she kind of starts running, takes out her phone. The house blows up with, like, her boyfriend in there. So it's like, and she just keeps running. And, and it's like, what's going on? Then there, she's like, as she's running, there's like this dead buck on the side of the road. And she just kind of looks at it, whatever. And then this car pulls up at the, like the intersection or whatever road. And this is like all like very like sub rural, whatever. So she gets in the car and uh, clo- according to closed caption, this is agent 1033. And we find out from the comics, this is agent 355. And uh, she's like, I thought I had more time or whatever. So then um, we see this some this woman Nora who works for the president, uh, like the president's secretary or something like that, just at a shooting range, and he wants her to take a shot. So nothing really comes up out of that. It's not too important, but she she manages or she didn't want her to shoot the gun, but he like kind of like makes her do it. And then uh, a couple ladies are ta- talking on stage about their books. Uh, one book is like cancel culture, and the other is like boy mom. Uh, this one one of the ladies talking about her her son got shamed because he pulled a girl's hair she's like they're not allowed to be boys and 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 we find this you know this one lady has three boys and i i think two of them are twins they're like running around like a hotel room or something like that and there's just like a a, yeah and uh then we see there's like a dead or the the twins see a dead rat on a rug and, and she's like oh don't touch that whatever so there's some like government party york's mom's there um, so apparently she called the the president a misogynist or something, and like maybe not exactly in those words, but you know people are talking about that. And then Nora comes to her and she's like, he he wants to talk to you, whatever. So she's uh, uh, Jennifer New York's mom's with the president, and you know they're about to talk. And then Nora mentions says something about Oklahoma, and she's like, what happened in Oklahoma? So they're like, well, a bomb went off, and you know domestic terrorists, but you know they must have blown themselves up or something like that. Uh, then we see Hero. So we see she's a paramedic, and her partner um, wants her to work because he has like a kids' recital or something like that. She's like, no, and he's like, why not? She's like, I don't want to. And then he he's saying, so these two are like hooked. They're they hooked up, and he says that he told his wife about them or something like that. And then so that kind of gets her listening. Um, York made beth grilled cheese and she's like oh this is really good he's like yeah there's three different types of cheese and whatever like that and they're, they're having wine so she's talking about like students uh, and a professor and you know she has some grading to do or something like that or what and you know she's uh about to go to australia australia <laughs> it's like she's about to go to australia it sounded weird when i said that and he wants to go too but she's like but well, you have a, a show coming up he's like it's just a crappy hour on stage at the back of a magic shop and she's like but it's the biggest opportunity you've had that sounds kind of kind of mean what you know i don't think she meant it in a mean way but you know it kind of says like where he's at you know we already know that his he's not really working his parents are paying for you know his rent or whatever so then he, he, so he just, he does, I don't know if he really took it either, you know, a bad way as it sounded, but then he just takes out this, a wooden box, tells her to open it. She sees a ring and he said it's a bit, what do you say? Bedouin or something like that. So it's like some type of ring or something. I don't know what it was. And he's like, I, you know, I know I messed up and, you know, you don't think I know what I want, but I want to be with you. And she's like, I can't just ask you to give up your life and move to Australia. And he's like, yeah, you can. And she's like, you know, we're only 27, whatever. And she's like, what are you, are you going to sit in an apartment while I go to school? And he's like, I'll be working on my act. Cause you know, he's like, I can do that wherever. Then she says that he'll hold her back, you know, from like meeting people or something like that. Then he, he kind of gets, gets ticked at this, 
or she's like, you're being an a-hole. And he's, she gets up to start to leave. He's like, well, you're the one talking, you know, you want to go and meet people? Or he's like, what's that? And then she's, then he's like, oh, no, no. He's like, whatever, let's talk about it. And she's like, I have to grade papers. She's like, I'll be back. And so she, she leaves. Then we see uh, Agent 355. She's being sent to Washington. And she's going to be going as a secret service. Or they're going to give her like a, a new identity or whatever. Uh, she starts to get rid of stuff at her place, like just majorly cleaning the place, you know, so there's no signs whatsoever of her. She has like these like colored kind of dreads. And so she has like, you know, cut them off and, you know, because she has to look secret service now. So she's cutting her hair a little shorter or whatever. Uh, we see like uh, the congresswoman's aide. I forget what her name is. Um, she picked up some dry cleaning. She's with her boyfriend. And then it's like this police horse runs by, like almost hits them. Like, uh, you know, they're parked like in the side street, whatever. And then a bunch of rats start like running by and they like kind of like freak out, whatever. And like, then some of them are left behind and they're like just on the ground, like dying. So the animal are, we're seeing animals getting affected. York's parents are at the party and, uh, you know, uh, I think the dad mentions it, that York's landlord called or whatever, cause he didn't pay the rent. Uh, so we we get the idea they're not together, and it seems like it's possible that the dad cheated on her. And but she mentions she's like I miss you. She's like and you know I I, I can forgive you whatever. And you know she's like maybe it's time you know we we try this again. But he he mentions he talked to a lawyer or whatever, and because he's like you know I love you but it's it's time. So then Hero asks her her paramedic partner boyfriend whatever. She's like how how did she take it? And, you know, they're lying in the back of the ambulance, so they must have just, you know, gone at it. He doesn't really answer whatever, but then he, he goes out to take a leak. She's laying there, and the phone vibrates, and outside, this dog walks up to the, the partner as he's peeing, whatever, and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, you lost or whatever, and then it kind of, like, some blood starts coming out of its, like, mouth and nose, and he's like, he, like, backs up, and he goes in the ambulance. Uh, he starts to tell her about the dog or whatever. She's getting dressed. So it turns out it was his phone. And she's like, your wife is texting you asking when you're going to be home and if you could get some diapers on the way. And he just, she just like throws the phone at him. And he's like, I am going to tell her. And she's like, she's like, I don't care what you do. And he's like, it's not that simple. He's like, we have a kid. And she starts yelling at him. She's like, just get out, get out. And he's like, come on. She's like, you can walk home. And she's like, just you know, taking supplies, like throwing at him and stuff like that. They're kind of getting rough with each other while they're just like throwing things. And then she threw something. I don't know what she threw at him, but it was like something. And he's like gushing blood at his neck and he's just like, uh, and she's like, no, no, no. She's whatever. Then it cuts to the morning of. So agent 355 shows up for work as secret service. There's this big Congress meeting, whatever we see heroes just sitting in an ambulance with her dead boyfriend. Um, this cops outside starts wondering if there's anyone inside, you know, there's this ambulance parked like in this alley. You, you can see the lights are on in there. So he's like, you know, the windows are high up. So, cause he's like knocking on the door trying to see if there's anyone there. Uh, Nora, the the one uh, who works for the president, she's like yelling at her kid and husband. You know, she's making lunch. She's like, "We're late for school," or whatever. Her daughter Mackenzie comes down, and she's like, "Are your brother and dad still up?" Because the, the her brother, the son, crawled into their bed last night. He had a bad dream or something like that. And Mackenzie's, she's like, "No, they're they're still asleep." Hero opens the ambulance door, and the police officer's like on the ground, and there's like a pool of blood around his head. So it's like, what happened to him? At the Congress meeting, this general is telling the, the president there's a mass event in Israel. Like, no one's answering. She's like, what, we, we lost all Israel? And then Jennifer tells the president, she's like, your nose is bleeding. He's like, oh, that's probably nothing. And then it's like gushing. And then all the men start having bloody nose and she's like, like freaking out and everything like that. Hero sees people like falling in the streets. Nora sees her husband and son in bed. So they're dead. 
heroes walking the streets. There's like screaming going on, and everything like that. Jennifer and the other woman in, in the Congress, there's like screaming. There's like blood everywhere. Agent 355 is trying to do CPR on the president. Um, hero falls to her knees. This mother's carrying her dead son, screaming. You see this plane flies by, like really low overhead, and you, you know it's going to crash. So little, there's this little girl, poor little girl, just like sitting in a crash car with her dead father's at the wheel. So uh, back at Congress, there's like blood coming out of the president's mouth and eyes. 355 still trying to do CPR. The other woman in the room are just, you know, just trying to figure out like what happened or anything like that. Jennifer and the others, then they, they start um, going in, in the hall. Uh, Air, they find out like Air Force Two fell out of, out of the sky into the ocean. They're getting like gas masks ready because, you know, they don't know. Is this like some sort of biological attack? What's what's happening? I don't know if, the, you know, they, they probably may not have realized that it's only the dudes this is happening to whatever. And then, uh, then we see Ampersand's like throwing Chiefs puffs at York. York's like sleeping on a sofa. Um, and at, it's finally at this point where the closed caption finally reveals his name is Ampersand because I don't think they said it before because it's just like a screech or something. It's like Ampersand or screech or whatever. Uh, then so uh, York gets up. He tries calling Beth, but like the phone lines are down. It's like doo 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 doo, and he tries again, or whatever. Then he finally sees outside. There's like you know people screaming, like explosions, stuff like that. That's the end of the first episode. So then the second episode, Would the World Be Kind? It starts day one. 355 is given a gas mask. Someone mentions Jennifer. She's like, oh, you're the next president because due to succession. So even though she was a congresswoman, all the dudes you know, that were like in succession are dead. And 355, she kind of starts having like this little panic attack. Something happens and you know, she like goes in the bathroom or whatever. And it's like, it wasn't really clear what happened here. Then it cuts to day eight. So we see 355 is walking through the snow in a small town. She goes to this like mailbox place, like, you know, like at a strip mall or whatever. She opens box 355 and it turns out this mail place is really like a cover. And so she goes like in this back room. There's like these dead bodies like at computers and stuff like that. She takes them, like lays them down on the floor. She tries calling other cities like Los Angeles and Texas. I go, I forget what, like other, all these places, like no responses anywhere. And she looks in the box and this like envelope has this address. At uh, Congress in this room, uh, Jennifer hears that the power will be shutting down like a week or so, and they're not going to have any clean water either. And she's like, what city? And they're like, all of them. 355 answers, and she's like, I need to speak to you privately. So Jennifer says, she's like, if, if you have family or someplace you need to be, that's fine. And 355, she's like, I'm not Secret Service. She's like, I'm a member, I'm a member of a covert task force named the Culper Ring. She's like, we only answer to the president. There's no red tape. And Jennifer's like, I was uh, chair of the House Intel Committee. She's like, I would have to approve a budget. And 355 says, you did. It's like, the budget's redacted. And she's like, you know, I've only been there eight days because, you know, she was like, she was in Oklahoma and she was pulled out with like an hour's notice. They wanted her with the president. And they said that there was a credible threat. She doesn't know what the threat was because she hadn't been briefed yet. They don't know. So it's like, you know, she doesn't know if it has anything to do with what's going on now. Jennifer asks, she's like, well, what's your name? And because her secret service name was Sarah something or whatever. And she's like, you know, what should I call you? And she's like, well, Sarah's fine. She's like, or Agent 355. 
this lady yells that protesters have made it to the gates. So they're at so there's all these protesters at the White House because they you know they want to know what's going on. Uh, Jennifer and the others, they're I don't know if they're at the Pentagon or they're somewhere. They're not at the White House, or whatever. And Jennifer t- is like she's like just pull back. She's like it's just a house we can rebuild. And then they like lose signal. Um, you know, some people are freaking out. She decides to try to inspire them. She gives you know them a speech, and you know she's like you know it's gonna get worse before it gets better. She's like the people are angry, they're panicking. She's like you know we'll, we'll make it better, but it's it's gonna take all of our work. Then it jumps to day sixty three. So it's like holy crap. York's watching this video of like him and Beth. The, the power's out. You know he has candles. It's like how does he charging his phone? I don't know. Uh, he's low on food and water. He leaves a message on a mirror at Beth's place, whatever. And then he tells Ampersand, crate up. And he puts on like the gas mask. Jennifer gets news about New York. So apparently the water's rising because, you know, pumps have been turned off. There's maybe like 24 hours left. And they're like, well, you know, we can go to the museum and, you know, get these paintings. And she's like, F the art. She's like, we need to focus on the people. And, and her daughter's still there. So then she tells 355, she's like, well, since you answered the president, why don't you go find my daughter? So heroes, like, she goes as, like, some makeshift shelter thing, whatever, and people put up, like, driver's licenses for, like, bodies found and stuff like that. So I guess you can go there to see if your loved one has been found dead, which, you know, most likely all the dudes are dead, but, you know, there could be survivors or whatever. So she's been going there, probably looking for signs of her brother or anything like that. There's this lady and a baby, which I didn't realize at first, but she mentions uh, the baby's name. I forgot what the baby's name was. So it was, like, it's this weird name i don't remember what it was so it's it's basically her partner's wife and daughter so then um she goes to some place and there's it's like weird because there's some guys that are alive but then they've been taking testosterone so i was like wait i was like testosterone's for male because at first i was like are these dudes taking it would be estrogen. It, I was because like, here I'm thinking, you know, I know it's the males that are killed off. So I was like, oh, if they're taking estrogen, maybe that helps them survive. But no, they're actually taking testosterone because they're transitioning, and so they, they're you know they have to supply their. I forget how many there were, but like so, uh, what we find out eventually, her one friend Sam, this dude who was yeah, at the meeting with her, or whatever, he was transitioning as well. He, her friend Sam's like, you know, we should find someone in the government and tell them who you are, but she doesn't want to talk to her mom or have anything to do with her. So there's like some falling out between them. And because he, Sam's like, if the government knows you're, because they know her mom's president now. So obviously they could get like evacuated out of there. 355 makes her way to New York and she talks like, there's like a couple helicopter pilots that are going to do like a run or something like that. So she says, well, I'm going with you or whatever. Um, the book lady. Kimberly, so it turns out Kimberly was the president's sister. So I don't know if they mentioned it before, but so she managed to get 10 minutes with Jennifer or whatever. She's worried. I think she's worried about like a sperm bank in New York. You know, she's worried about like the, if the power shuts down, all these sperm samples are going to die. And I don't know if her husband had samples there, why she cares so much about this one or whatever. And Jennifer's like, you know, we're, we're doing what we can. York spray paints on a wall. Beth, come home. Why? Ampersand. Uh, runs out of building york starts chasing him uh ampersand goes down to this flooded subway and he's like oh come. and there's like a written like written on walls like dead bodies here or something like that and so he has to start going into water hero returns to the ambulance her her partner's dead bodies are so here we're like you know 60 whatever days after um major rotting it's like so gross and it's you know she's covering her mouth because it, it stinks she take basically takes his uh his license to to go put 
And this, at this point, I was like, I didn't realize who he was yet. I figured she was going to take his license and go hang it up for whatever reason. Why uh, York's at a, a dry cleaner. He's like, getting clothes since his clothes got all wet or whatever. A woman sees him because he's he's pretty much naked, like crotched down, like trying to figure out like what he's going to put on. And she starts yelling in Mandarin. Um, two other women come and they ask if he's sick, whatever. And another's like, why aren't you dead? And one one lady pulls a gun on him. And he's like, he's like freaking out and everything like that. So apparently they think that they could trade him because, you know, everyone's running out of supplies and like that. So here's this dude. They could trade him for something. And he's like crying. And he says that, you know, he'd give anything to go home and whatever. And at first I was like, is he really crying or is he putting on an act? One of the ladies gives him clothes, but the, uh, the other one still has a gun on him. And he tells him, he's like, you have to get out of the city now. He's like, don't get trapped here. And then the other one's like, this is our home. So then he, you know, he's dressed and everything, and then he he leaves like a mini Snicker bar, Snickers bar on on pay, as payment for the clothes, and he he like leaves. So they let him leave. Hero um, goes back to the shelter place and finds her partner's wife and gives her his license, and she like kind of looks at Hero in shock because it's like how would she know or you know how to find her whatever, and Hero says that she's like you should just take it, and and she's like you know get out of the city while there's time, and then the wife's like it was you wasn't it. She's like, I knew he was seeing someone. So it's like, oh, crap, what's she going to do now? And then she's like, thank you. And Hero's like, what? She's like, I wasn't crazy. She's like, at least he wasn't alone. And then she just walks away. So because, uh, you know, when they were fighting or something like that, apparently after they had a kid, his wife started, stopped you know, having sex with him or whatever like that. So supposedly that's what drove him away and whatever. So York goes back to the subway stairs and, you know, he's just sitting at like at the by the water at the top and he's watching this video like when he got ampersand and then um then ampersands above him like on the stairs by like the carrier and he, he puts out his hand and ampersand jumps on his shoulder and he tells he's like you're an a-hole <laughs> then he goes to hero's place he tells ampersand he's like i'm out of ideas you know he doesn't know what to do so hero goes to the place where her friends would meet and sam's there he's he, the other other people left he's like they they left an hour ago on bikes and you know he he talks about uh, the the questions he gets out there because you know he he's a, a he looks like a dude, you know he is a dude as far as he's concerned. People are like, what's going on or whatever, and he's like, you you cost me my one chance out. And she's like, I didn't tell you to wait for me. And Sam's like, and they took the rest of the testosterone. He's like, two weeks. I have you know two weeks amount left. He's like. Then he's like, I, you should just you know find your mom. And he's like, I don't care what she did or whatever's in the past. He's like, you owe me. So then Nora's, you know, trying to get inside uh, where the president and the guards like it's essential personnel only. She's like, but I work for the president, whatever. And he's like, you're not on the list or whatever. And so she's with her daughter, Mackenzie Mack. And she's like, it, it took us, you know, a, a day and a half to get here or whatever. And they're like, I can't let you in. So she has the, the Max is just like, let's just go. So then uh, the dead president's mom She's talking to Jennifer. She wants she wants to go home. She's like, well, you know, it's probably not safe at the White House. She's like, I'm not talking about that. So she wants to take her son to Lynchburg, and she wants to bury her son. And Jennifer's like, well, I can't spare any Secret Service, whatever. And then she's like, you know, I don't care. She's like, I, I just want to get out of here. York's sleeping on Hero's couch with ampersand, and then someone comes in, hears it. So he gets up. He grabs, like, a guitar. He's just, like, ready to smash whoever it is. So it's like, is it Beth? Is it Hero? It's 355. So she like slams him down. She's like, who are you? He's like, Yorick. And then uh, the helicopter lands. Jennifer's there. They come out. She's shocked. And she gives Yorick a hug. So he's like reunited with his mom. Then uh, episode one of three, Neil, 
Nora and her, her daughter walk home. Uh, they or actually, I think they go to this other place because there's other women there, and she tells them that you know she she couldn't get anyone to talk to her, you know, because she's you know she was trying to get in. Supplies are low. Once they hear that, kind of like that she doesn't have anything to offer. There's they're saying that her and Mac aren't going to be able to go with them. That they're going to like drive off somewhere. But they're like, you know, we don't have a lot of room in the car and, you know, stuff like that. So it seems like the, maybe they weren't really closer. And because uh, Mac doesn't really get along with the other girls. She's like, all he talk about is horses. And, and Nora's like, well, then just talk about horses. So 355 sitting in a room with the two helicopter pilots, kind of like an interrogation room. So they want to go home, whatever. They talk about how people outside are screaming conspiracy and the president's son's alive. And... Uh, She's like, you know, she gave us the dress and everything. Three fifty-five is like we were looking for her, her daughter. York wakes up. Ampersand sneaks out of the room. York is trying to get him back. Um, Ampersand goes by to the dead president's mom's room, and you know she, she's like laying in bed, and she sees like a little scurrying under the door. So because there's like a tray of food outside her room or something like that, and then uh, the president wakes up and sees York's gone. So she's like freaking out. Helicopter pilots yelling. You know, she wants to know why did he survive in, in 355. What she's like, I'll, whatever, I'll be back. She leaves and like locks locks him in that little room. Jennifer calls 355 on a, a walkie-talkie, saying that he's gone. So Ampersand's like running through the halls, and York is like trying to chase him. Then he sees like this memorial, like photos of like all these dead dudes, and uh, then Ampersand's by this door that's blocked off. York hears the dead president's mom coming, so he just like goes through it. There's like you know tape like covering the door or whatever. So he goes in there and there's like all these dead bodies in there. Then, uh, uh, the pres dead president's mom comes in and sees him Three fifty-five, and Jennifer come in and they're like, what are you doing there? And she's like, there's a man there, but he like ducked out or whatever. They're like, well, you must be confused, whatever. So three fifty-five kind of looks around. She sees him like hiding under a desk, whatever. And she just lies. She's like, it's, it's all clear here. So York, then later he's asked, like, why are all these dead bodies, you know, sitting at their desk, whatever? And his mom's like, you know, we're working on it. You know, this building's the size of a small town. And York's like, how many other men have you found? And her mom says, we found plenty, but none with a Y chromosome. So it's like, you know, people transitioning, I guess, or whatever, or transgender or whatever. Then he asks about his dad, and she's like, well, I know we were saying he was staying at this hotel or something like that. Um, she can't, they can't find hero. You know, he's, he could, couldn't find her. He mentions Beth. He's like, if she got out of city, she'd go to Cleveland, you know, where her mom is. And Jennifer says that, you know, she's like, well, you know, there were three subway cars that crashed. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I felt it. But Beth, she always took her bike. And so then, um, the president, his mom says like, you know, she'll send someone to look when she can. He says, he's like, we're engaged. He's like, but, but they're not really engaged through, um, then three fifty five is like, we need to talk about the pilots. You know, she's like, there are more and more people at the gates every day. If anyone finds out he's here, he's like, we could have a Russia situation here. And York's like, what happened to Russia? And then the president's like, I have a briefing. And then she leaves. Then York asks Richard, he's like, what happened to Russia? So Nora's, her, whatever these people, they pack up their cars to leave and everything like that. They, you know, drive off. Matt comes down. She's like, did they leave us or whatever? And Nora's like, oh, you know, we're faster without them or whatever. So York's eating. You know, there's like, he's eating like a plate of spaghetti, whatever. And 355 tells him that there was like 12 big shots that survived in Russia or something like that. People wanted to see them, but it was propaganda BS. And then the people overran the building. There was chaos. And then they lost contact with Russia now. So York asked 355 if she thinks that it's a health risk having dead bodies around. 
And she's like, well, that's why the room was sealed off. She's like, your mom is prioritizing the living. Then they talk about his name, and he's like, oh, my, I think he's that his dad taught Shakespeare or something like that. And then she's like, he named you after a dead clown? And he, like, doesn't say anything. So the the briefing is about, like, w- there's, like, water at, a like, a power plant or something like that. So if they dry it out, they don't know what might happen if they try turning on, you know, the, the system and everything like that. There's, like, some woman that they could ask that would know, like, this engineer woman, but she, like, left. She, she just got overwhelmed, and she just had to leave. Uh, Jennifer's aide is brought into the loop about um, York. Um, he's like sick now in the bathroom. 355 is like, war- I warned him, but he kept eating because he was just like so hungry. So the aide's looking at ampersand and uh, Jennifer's like, she's like, be careful, he bites. And she's like, he? And she's like, oh yeah. So 355 says they have to get him out of there. And the president's like, this is the safest place he could be. And 355's like, you know, again, she's like, there's more people arriving at the gates every day. It's like, what happens if they find out the only survivor is a president's son? She's like, you know, I can help move him, but it has to be before the word gets out. She's like, you know, secrets don't hold. And, you know, she's obviously talking about the helicopter pilots. So then we see in Tel Aviv, there's like this makeshift, like, you know, tent hospital, whatever. And this woman wakes up. She's like bandaged on her head. And I don't know she lost an eye or whatever. Um, so she was at a CCI summit. She says her name is Regina or whatever. And uh, the doctor says, like, there was an event and all the men died. And she's like, you know, you were in an accident. She's like, your brain was fractured and or your your her head was fractured and her brain was swelling. And she's then Regina's like thinking about that. Then she's like, if that's true, then I'm the president of the United States. So it's just like, oh, crap. And so we heard about this before when they're talking about the successions. So she's uh, kind of like a, a cuckoo, whatever. Which, um, Anyways, so 355 is looking at files. Kimberly, the dead president's sister, like talks to her. She's like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I, I play cards with the other Secret Service girls. She's like, you should join. You know, it's good to have friends here. And she's like, oh, and the president can be kind of tough because she just doesn't really like her or whatever. So then uh, Kimberly talks to um, her brother's wife. And says, you know, there aren't others with their same beliefs. So they must be like, I don't know if they're hardcore Christians or Republicans or whatever. And, um, you know, she she's like talking about that. And, and the, the president's wife, she's like not really concerned. You know, she's like whatever. And then uh, Kimberly takes some, some crayons or something like that when no one's looking. So I don't know what that was about. Nora and Mac or McKenzie, they make it back to their home. Uh, Mac goes out back. There's some crows on her dead father and brother because they're like wrapped in blankets. So she grabs the shovel and she goes like running at them. But then <laughs> and she falls like on the shovel. Um, there's like this big gash in her leg. So um, Nora wants to leave. She, she's like, we can wrap this up. She's like, when did you have it? Didn't you get a shot when you went to camp or something like that? Uh, but then Mac's like, we can't leave them. The president's talking to others about trying to find like a genetics expert. 355 found one, uh, a, a qualified one, but the aide said that she was flagged by the FBI because she solicited money from the, the Saudis or something like that. But 355 is like, that shows that she doesn't care like who she's working. You know, she's willing to get the work done. You know, she's going to whatever means that you know, do her research. Then, um, then why and her mom talk alone. He wants to find Beth. And, you know, he's like, you know, then I'll do whatever you want. You know, if you want my blood or my semen or whatever, and, you know, he's, he says there, you know, it has to be someone else who survives, someone better than him. You know, he just wants his, his life back. Kimberly sees a, a bunch of women come out of a meeting and she asks the lady Dora what she's like, what's going on? And she's like trying to, she's like just trying to snoop. The lady finally says like, they found her. It's like they found Regina Ol- Oliver alive in Israel. 
So the others are, are uh, like Jennifer and, and her little group, they're talking about how this is bad because she was a lunatic put into position. So um, I'm assuming so the president could win with the help of racists. And because apparently Regina said Jesus wasn't vaccinated. So she's an anti-vaxxer. Um, and Jennifer says that she like she hasn't been here and she, you know, she doesn't know what's going on. It's like, it, it'd take too long to get her, you know, up to speed. And the other's like, you know, we'll, we'll back you. So, you know, they're, they're back, you're on Jennifer's side. Um, cause it's been over 60 days. And then all of a sudden this lady is going to be president when she doesn't know what's going on in the hall. They're walking out. Kimberly has a group of women behind her. So friggin' annoying. And she demands, when were you going to tell us about Regina Alver? And then this one lady tries to stop her. She's like, we just found out. We don't even know what condition she's in. And Kimberly's like, well, you know, our values matter. It's like, my father's values matter. He was elected. And Jennifer tells her that no one is hiding anything or trying to squeeze you out. She's like, we'll let you know once we fully understand what the situation is. And they start like, you know, walking away. 355 wants to get um, why out. There's this Dr. Allison Mann. And, and I think York said, that, you know, that how ironic is that? And he says that he's like, oh, he's like oh, or we could go to Ohio and find Beth and then go to doctor. 355 says if there's a political fight, he makes her mom vulnerable. And, you know, he, he's making the whole building vulnerable. The president, she's like, well, um, what about the pilots? And 355 is like, well, I'll deal with them. York, so he doesn't want to go to like lawless Boston where this doctor is. But 355 says that somewhere inside him is the answer to how this all happened and how they can fix it. So then uh, 355 goes to talk to the pilots. Um, she tells them how important Y is and the danger that he's in. And she gives them like these big medals. She's, she's like, congratulations. And, uh, you know, because I don't know what medal of honor or what, what it, I don't know what it is. But they have to go to Harvard to see a doctor who could help. And you know, she looked at their records. One of them did like supply runs. The other, she's like, she was a flight instructor or something like that. She's like, you know, this is the most important mission and the president wants you to fly it. So York talks to his mom. He says that, he, he saw there was a picture of him at the memorial is like from, he graduated I don't graduate high school maybe he's like oh, I hate that picture down by the, the memorial and then he's like it should have been one of them like you know the dude with the purple heart or whatever you know one of them should have been a survivor and she's like but it's you she's like you can do this so then the aide comes in she's like you know they found Sharon Jacob the engineer who whatever who could help with the power so they're waiting to hear from her 355s like she's like I'll, I'll, I'll keep himself safe, whatever. So, you know, to go try to talk to this, this woman. Nora's um, trying to dig a hole in the ground. The ground's like really tough. Then this vulture lands on a fence. And then, then it cuts you like they're in a car. So I don't know if they actually buried the bodies or just not that deep. And uh, we see the gas gauge. It's like, they're almost out of gas. So there's like all these other cars in the neighborhood. It's like, maybe take someone else's car, see if they have more gas or siphon it or anything like that. But it's weird. Um, they turn the radio on, or Mackenzie just happens to turn the radio, maybe out of habit, and it's like the power's back on because like the radio's kind of working. I think it was like a Dolly Parton song or something like that. Three fifty five is like putting on a hazmat suit, uh, and they're like down in the room with the dead bodies. And then York's like, "Where's my suit?" And she just kind of looks at him, and he's like, "No." He's like, "Put me in a laundry basket, do something, whatever." And she's like, "They search everything," and she's like, "You know, imagine what they'll do to your mom if they find you." It's like, you know. So, you know, they, they go through with it. Um, he, basically, you know, she's taken out like a bunch of bodies, whatever. And, you know, then when they get to the other side, it's the checkpoint. He's like freaking out, you know, when, when he comes out of it. They get into a Jeep with the two pilots and he like hides in her blanket. And 355 is going to fly 
to help like give them cover or something like that, or be you know, so they could have a decoy with the other. Pi- I don't know what it was. So then um, the president's they're, they're, and uh, her her people are talking to Sharon on the phone, and she's like, "I told you I, I can't do it." And the president talks to her. She's like, "Ask her about her sons," and she's like trying to get through to her. And she's like, "You know, we don't need politicians. We need people like you who work." And she's like, I know you, you, you miss them. She's like, I miss my, my kids too. And she's like, there, and there are a lot of people who could use your help. So then uh, Sharon finally says like, okay, I'll do it. So then the president's looking at, at the, the memorial pictures of the fallen people. Kimberly comes, blah, 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 all this stuff like that, um, talking about loss. And then Kimberly like takes her hand, which is weird. And she talks about York. She's like, oh, I remember at that Easter egg hunt, how you wouldn't get involved or anything like that. And then her mom said that, uh, Oh, or she, or Kimberly says, uh, her mom said it was her son. She's like, isn't it weird? She said it, it was your son she saw wandering in, in the hall. She's like, that's so strange to me. So Kimberly's suspicious. She thinks that York, like, could he really be alive? But how could that be? So she's she's on to her or something like that. So then 355 and York are in a helicopter. I thought he was going to go in the helicopter with the pilots and, and 355 was going to follow, but they're in together. And then all of a sudden, the other helicopter starts malfunctioning, and it, it just like starts flaming up, and it goes down, push, blows up. York's like, what happened? Whatever. And she's like, I don't know. And then she's like, well, it doesn't matter. We have to keep going. But obviously, I, I think she she did something. you know, Because she did say, I'll take care of them. So I think she did something to get rid of the other pilots. Because you know, the less people that know, the better. So I guess we can assume they didn't survive the crash. I mean, I don't, they, I don't know how high they were, but, but yeah, so that's kind of hardcore. But she's going to do what she has to do. So that was the first three episodes. Uh, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm digging it. I don't like see it. You know, this is just, I think it's 10 episodes, and that's three down already. You know, I, I would want this the last 10 weeks to get the most out of it, but that's how it is. So Hulu and FX Monday nights. Yeah, this is, this is good. Okay, then Stargirl, Season 2, Episode 6, Summer School, Chapter 6. So at the diner, Yolanda's working. She got his customer's order wrong again, he says, or something like that. Then uh, the so other waitress like, oh, don't worry, I'll take care of him. She's like, you got another another customer. So Isaac's sitting, Isaac uh, Bowen, the fiddler's son, the long-haired dude, he's sitting at a booth, and she goes to take his order, and he's just like silent. And she's like, do you know what you want? And he's like, I saw the pictures. So when you took it yourself, he's like, everyone saw them. And she's like, if you're going to order, order. And he's like, I know. I know what your, you and your friends did. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he just like, I was like, my mother and father. And he like gets up and leaves. So then Beth is, uh, she goes, visits her dad at his office. And she like brought him lunch. He's like, I, I told you I had meetings all day or whatever. But she wants to talk to him about like mom or dad. She's like, I did research on romantic getaways. And she's got this binder with all this stuff. And he's like, well, you know, me and your mother can't just take off work like that. And she's like, well, it's, you make it sound like your job's more important than your marriage or whatever in our life. Or, and he's like, we'll talk more about this when I come home tonight, okay? And she's like, no. She's like, I'm not okay with this. She's <laughs> like, just whatever. So outside, you know, she's calling Rick. She's like, I need to talk to you. And then her phone goes like, gets knocked out of her hand. Artemis is like <laughs> throwing balls at her. And she's like, my parents are in prison. She's like, that sucks. She's like, she's like, you don't know how to feel. It's like, you know, you have the perfect life. And, you know, one day you're, you're normal family. And the next, boom, it all blows up. And she starts saying, she's like, I do know whatever. She's like, no. She's like, it's, it's, this is how it's going to be. She's like, it's going to be jock versus nerd or whatever. And she says she's going to get her like that. It was just like, just kind of extreme or whatever. 
Beth picks up her phone and like her screen got shattered. Like at school, Courtney and, and Pat are in a messy art room after the attack from Eclipso last episode or whatever, the art teacher. Um, she finds a painting and she's like, see that that painting, it's Diablo Island. And she's like, and there was one of Brainwave and Solomon Grundy, but those are gone. And Pat's like, that's because they were never really there. It's like Eclipso, you know, made you guys see that. Then Cameron walks in, he's like, uh, you know, he, he's surprised to see them. And he's like, what happened to you know, the teacher dude, Paul, or whatever? And Pat's like, you know, I heard he got sent to Lincoln for psychiatric care. Um, Courtney's just kind of silent all this. And then he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, we volunteered to help clean up. And he's then he's just like, you know, why do bad things happen to good people in this town or whatever? Then Pat interrupts. Um, he, he's like, oh, look at this. He found a, a painting of Cindy holding, like, the, the black diamond up to Rye. And Cameron's like, what, what's she holding? And Courtney's lies. She's like, I don't know. And then um, he tells her, he's like, she was here yesterday. He's like, she wanted to talk about my dad. And it's like, the whole thing was weird. And Pat and Courtney leave with the others. And she's like, we need to tell them whatever. Because they didn't know that she was back. She's like, I'll go get my, my staff. And he's like, I'll go get my stripe. And, you know, they're going to meet at the diner, I guess, or something like that. Which wouldn't be a good idea to meet with, with stripe at the diner. Maybe, or, I don't know. Um, at the junkyard, Zeke and Mike are hanging out. Mike wants to like build something, wants to do something. Zeke says that, you know, he's like, I'm building a 12 foot chainsaw for Stripe. He's like, you know, you should do something. And then uh, Mike goes looking for something. He finds like this big drill bit, like this huge, but um, he doesn't realize Cindy's there lurking because, you know, he, he and then he kind of like, looks back, but then somehow, somehow she ended up like behind him or something like that. And he's like, what do you want? And she's like, I want your help. She's like, and she's like, you know, I'm, I'm forming a team and you're a vital part of it. And he's like, you know, why would I want to be part of your, your team? You know, or why would you want me on your team? And she's like, she's like, why would I want you? She's like, you're just like your father. You don't do anything. And she's like, she's like no, you're going to be the bait. At the garage, Pat goes to Stripe, but then he hears this, this loud noise, like starts piercing his head and he's like in pain. So Isaac's playing the fiddle even though it doesn't sound like a fiddle noise. Then he goes, Zing, you know, the, the, with the, the the bow, whatever. And the blast, like, sends Pat, like, f knocks him back. Artemis comes in. She's, like, wearing this suit. Um, she gives him this, like, flying kick. He goes, you know, gets knocked back. Um, she starts fighting him, and, and then he's like, he's like, what are He's like, I don't want to fight a kid or whatever. Isaac gives him another blast with music, and then he, like, goes flying into Stripe's leg, and he, like, spits out some blood. So he's in pain. Isaac's about to give him another music blast, but Artemis stops him. She's like, he's my dad's friend. He's like, and we're here for the robot. You know, Pat passes out, and Artemis, like, jumps on top of Stripe and, like, starts smashing it and stuff. So then, next scene, Pat's in the hospital. Barbara's at his side. Courtney comes in. They don't know where Mike's at. Pat, the doctors say Pat has a really bad concussion. And, uh, you know, Barbara, she's upset. And she's like, you know, the doctor said that he should be okay. Courtney's like... It's like, we shouldn't have split up. And, you know, she's like, he'd be okay. And then Barbara, like, cuts her off. She's like, this wasn't your fault. At the garage, stripes, like, in pieces, heads knocked off, like, you know, just, like, busted up. And, like, not completely, but enough. Rick comes in. Um, Yolanda says that she thinks Isaac Bowen did this. And Beth's like, no, it was Artemis Croc. So they, they tell about their encounters and stuff like that. And then, you know, they're like, the bad guys' kids are working together. And, and Rick's like, you know, Cindy is behind this. So Courtney tells her mom that, that about Cindy or whatever, and that she probably has a black diamond. Uh, Cindy's behind whatever's going on with Eclipso. Then Mike calls Courtney. She's like, Mike, are you okay? But it's really Cindy. And she's like, miss me, new girl? Although you're not so new anymore. And she's like, you know, where's Mike or whatever? And Cindy's like, oh, don't worry. He's doing better than his dad for now. Hmm. She didn't do that. 
She should have done that. Um, Courtney asked, she's like, what do you want? She's like, I want to hurt you. Not right away, though. First your friends, then your family. Yeah, I want you to watch them all suffer, blah, blah, blah. You know, she wants, wants to tear Courtney apart. And, you know, Courtney's like, everything that happened, you brought on yourself. And Cindy's like, you don't know me at all. And she's, she wants her to meet her at the cafeteria in one hour. So then um, Eclipso's like, your time is coming. And he's like, make sure you leave Courtney for last. It would be so delicious. You know, so it's like the, the the final, you know, she'd be the final one sold for him to swallow or something like that. Courtney's like, you know, she's talking to her mom. She's like, I don't know if I can do this without Pat, you know, especially if she has a diamond. And Barbara's like, you absolutely can do this. She's like, you know, go get your friends and go get your brother. It's like, be star girl. And then she's walking. She's like, oh, and kick that girl's ass. So Barbara's sitting in the hospital room then. She's holding a card that Shade gave her. She's trying to decide if she should call him or whatever. So she takes out her phone. She finally starts dialing it. Then this like shadow appears on the wall. And then he's like behind her. So she tells him what happened with Pat and Mike and everything like that. And he's like, okay, well, what's this have to do with me? You know, the stuff, her family getting attacked. And she's like, the girl who did it also has a black diamond. And then he's, that gets his attention. So Stargirl and the others show up at the cafeteria. They're in costume. Um, and it is, at first there's like music. It's like, is the music playing? Can they hear it? Or is it like for the show? But Isaac's playing the, the, the violin, whatever. Artemis is like bouncing a ball. And then Cindy comes out, extends her wrist blade. And like, it's just like, it was like so weird. The way they just kind of did this. And Rick's like, and you call us loser? <laughs> and Cindy's like, yeah, I do. So Stargirl's like, where's my brother? And Cindy says, she's like, oh, I got bored and he's in the ground. So he's he dead? So they start fighting. Artemis has like, you know, like an arrow bowcast or whatever. She shoots some arrows at, at Beth, but Rick blocks them. Uh, Beth and Rick get knocked back. And Artemis is like, jocks win, nerd zero. And then uh, Beth, she's on the ground and she like hits her goggles and like, Im like mugshot images of Artemis' parents like pop up. So she, that gets her distracted. Rick gives her this big kick to send her flying back. So I'm assuming Artemis is wearing like some heavy armor. I don't know where she got this from because if Rick is like powered up here, I'm assuming he's powered up because he blocked the er the arrows and pierced him his back. So he's like hitting her with this like super strength, and it's like not phasing her, which was a, a little little annoying. So Isaac's playing music at Yolanda, and her head's hurting. Whatever, um, she tries kicking him. Isaac runs. Yolanda like chases him. Courtney's fighting Cindy. Isaac's mutants is his Isaac's music is still affecting Courtney. You know, she can't really concentrate. Beth finds, uh, she's using her goggles and she sees like a mic in a like storage room, like storage closet. And he, she goes in there. He's like tied up and like hanging, whatever. And he's like, Oh, it took you long enough. And then Isaac's looking for a wildcat. She's like ducked around a corner. And then Yolanda runs at him. She's dodging his music blast. Artemis attacks Rick. Courtney and, and Cindy are still fighting. And again, it's just like there's this like fight between Artemis and Rick in the bathroom, like just smashing through this like sinks and toilets. And at one point, like Artemis sticks his head in the, in the toilet, whatever. But it's like she's getting smashed too and like thrown around. It's like, how is she taking so much punishment? And and then like Isaac is like moving around. It's like, where did he get these moves from? Because you know, he's just like this nerd, you know, quiet kid. Um, and but and some of the moments, I mean, I love the show. But some of the times where Artemis is moving, like when she's like jumping up, it's almost like, okay, are you clearly on a wired harness and you're being pulled up? Because it's it's almost like she's like floating. She doesn't have any powers or anything like that. 
Courtney knocks Artemis down. Isaac, um, he gets knocked down. Um, Rick grabs Artemis's metal bat, aluminum bat, like bends it, and he picks her up, slams her against a brick wall. Yolanda tells Isaac, she's like, stay down. She's like, I don't want to hurt you anymore. And uh, but she grabbed his his violin. But she should have like smashed it. She threw it, but I think she did end up breaking it or something like that. Courtney and Cindy are fighting some more. Mike comes and hits her in the back with hits Cindy in the back of the head with a toaster. And he's like, "Who's useless now?" And she like turns. It, obviously, somehow she's super powered. It didn't didn't bother her. I mean, I don't know what her strengths are. And he's just like, mm, he kind of cringes. Courtney kicks Cindy back with um, with the, the staff. Uh, the three get up. Isaac's like, she broke my violin. And Cindy calls him an idiot. She takes out the black diamond and then like black smoke starts surrounding everyone. But it's because of shades there. So he's there in top hat and shades and with his cane. And then he's like, come now, children, playtime's over. And Beth's like, um, is he on our side? Eclipso tells Cindy, he's like, not to worry. He's like, he's afraid of me. And in shades, like he, he says, you shouldn't be playing with things you don't understand. And he's, she said, she's like, I know exactly what it is and what's, what's in it or something like that. And Shay's like, if you truly knew what you were wielding, you wouldn't be using it for some trivial gang fight or something like that. Then he takes off his hat. And he's like, now please give it to me or you'll force my hand. Eclipso says it's time. And Cindy asks, she says like, for what? And he's like, for me. And she's like, no, 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 no. So Eclipso takes over her body. And uh, her face goes like, you know, partially purple, whatever. Um, she holds up the diamond, sends like energy at shade. He's like staggering back. You know, he puts up like a shade, you know, shadow shield, whatever. Stargo rides her staff towards Cindy. And, and it's almost like she's going slow motion because then the, the staff touches the diamond and like just like the tip or whatever. And then you hear like a growl or whatever. Energy goes like gets goes back in the diamond. You hear it like the diamonds cracking and they go everyone goes flying back and then we see beth's dad gets off work he goes outside and he's like looking up zeke walks out of his garage and close it and he looks up pat he's just woke up in the hospital barbara gets up and then she looks out outside and he's like what's going on and we see there's like an eclipse over the moon so the JSA struggle get up. You hear like someone groaning, there's growling. So Clipso's there now in person. And he looks a little slimy or whatever. And he's like grunting. Cindy gets up. She's like, you betrayed me. And uh, she extends both wrist blades and she like charges at him. And he like easily stops her. And she's like, you use me. And he like snaps a blade off her wrist. And he's like, and I use you or whatever. And then he lifts her up by the throat. He throws the blade at Isaac, hits him in the gut. So he's down. Then he throws Cindy against the wall. Isaac's like coughing because, you know, he's stabbed or anything like that. And then Eclipso's like, oh, your soul is so ripe. And he starts like sucking it in, like whatever. And there's more pain and yelling. And then uh, it's just like black chars like left on the floor. So Isaac's, he's gone. Artemis gets up and she just runs away. Cindy gets up. She's like, she's like hey, she's like, you're here because of me. Remember? She's like, you owe me. And he's like, no. And then, uh, uh, he picks something up. He's like, I owe you nothing. And he, there's like, he picks up like, I don't know if it's a piece of diamond or something like that, but he, he like flicks it at her. There's like black on her feet. And then like ooze starts like overtaking her and like pulling her down. Star goes like, she goes up to her and like tr tries reaching her, like, give me your hand, whatever. She's just trying to save her, even though she's evil. Cindy's just like screaming and everything like that. And she's like disappears. The ooze is gone. Rick tries attacking, is flung aside. Stargirl lights up staff. Shade's like feasting on the souls of children. 
more and you know more shadows like come out of him whatever and then eclipse was like your powers come from my home human and he just like walks through it he he does something i don't know if he like jabbed the shade or if he just grabbed him really tightly like by the sides or something like that he he flings him and shade just like disappears in the shadows so it's like did he get sent somewhere did he retreat Courtney swings the staff at him. He catches it. His hand, he catches it in his hand. It's like glowing, but then the staff like goes out. And then he just decides to run. He's running like kind of like all, all for like an animal. He just like busts through the doors. Courtney like runs outside after him, even though the staff's like completely turned off. It almost looks like it's a little like charred or something like that. And the shades, his glasses, hat, and cane are just like lying on the, on the, on the floor. Then um, outside Courtney, she doesn't find anything. And in the moon, it's still eclipsed and then it clears up. So then we see the shade materializes on the ground at like the clock tower at the off at the whatever business place. And then he, you can see he's, he's like, Oh damnation. So he's in pain. Um, he tries getting up and then he disappears in, in more shadows. So I don't know if he did that at the hospital. Barbara mentions the, the eclipse. Um, and now it's gone. Courtney says, just like Eclipso. Mike's there too. Barbara asks about Sydney and Courtney's like dead. And she's like, Isaac Bowen is too. So they don't know what happened to Artemis or to Shade. She says that she thinks Eclipso was trying to get out of the diamond all this time. He was using Cindy and them. And Pat's like, says, to get into our world. Barbara asks, she's like, well, what's he going to do now? And Pat's like, corrupt, feed, gain power. He's like, then I don't know. Courtney says that the staff heard Eclipso, but then it went dark. And, and she's like, and something's wrong with it. Mike's like, he says that, you know, or Mike, he's like, I have to stop up my training. Uh, he's, he's like, you know, Cindy was going to kill me. And I couldn't do anything. And Pat's like, you know, well, you can help me rebuild Stripe. You know, we'll do it together. And Mike's like, I want my own Stripe. So then at the garage, Beth is like scanning Rick with her goggles. She's like, I think you have a broken rib or whatever. They wonder like what happened to Isaac. Yolanda's like, you know, he wasn't evil. It's was just a troubled kid. You know, he didn't deserve to die. But Eclipso does. And Rick's like, we just have to find him. So then we see Eclipso walking the streets, like in the shadows. And then uh, then he changes into this like smiling little kid. And he makes it to like the main street. He starts walking down the center, like his arms stretched out. And he's like cackling as he walks down. And that's where it ends. So Eclipso's free. And uh, don't know if they're going to be able to stop him or anything. Because uh, they had suffered, you know, quite a bit of loss. But... Like I said, it's it's so little minor things kind of kind of make me roll my eyes, but but I, I dig the show. Then, uh, what if season one episode six? What if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? So this was interesting, and I'm trying to think of like the timeline. It's like you know how long ago? When did like Iron Man one happen? How old would Killmonger have been? You know about the same because we see Shuri in this episode, and she's clearly younger. So whatever. So it starts off like in Iron Man. Tony Stark's with the army guys. They're driving. They get attacked. You know, there's firefight. Uh, the Stark Industry missile lands close to him. But what it's different now? Killmonger's there. You know, he has a machine gun. He grabs the missile, throws it, it blows up in the air, and he's like shooting and everything like that. And he's like, the Ten Rings have reinforcements coming. He's like, you know, we need to get you out of here. So then. Uh, uh, Watcher talks about, he's talking, you know, without Tony Stark's capture in Afghanistan, the age of Iron Man would never come to pass. The man was saved, but the hero was lost. So then we see Tony Stark at a press conference. Um, Obadiah Stane, Pepper Potts, Happy, they're all, and Killmonger. He's supposed to be like a Navy SEALs, or he's like wearing like the white, you know, dress uniform or whatever. Stark's talking about his experience. You know, he says that he saw soldiers uh, 
killed by a weapon he created. He's like, we have to do better. We have to fight bigger. And so he, he says that he's bringing Lieutenant Eric Stevens as Stark Industries' new chief security officer. Happy, like, he's not ha- happy about this. He whispers to Pepper. He's like, that's bull. He's like, that was supposed to be my promotion. And then uh, Christine Everett, the reporter, she's, you know, she tries asking Stevens. She's like, you know, what were you doing in that area? And Stark's like, saving me. He's like, I went over this. And she's like, well, that's, it's odd because on a day of attack, you know, his Navy SEALs unit was stationed 400 clicks away. And Tony starts getting defensive and like that. Then Killmonger, he jumps in. He's like, he's like, she's right. He's like, you know, I uncovered plans, you know, to assassinate Tony Stark while in a deep cover operation inside the 10 rings. And then Stane jumps in. He's like, whoa, I think that's a wrap or whatever. So it's like, is this like um, classified information or whatever? And Killmonger's like, yeah, you'd like that. He's like, the plans were bankrolled by Stark Industries COO Obadiah Stane. Everyone's like, <gasps> and Stane tries, he's like, <laughs> Tony, he's like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And Killmonger, he's, he's like, oh, don't worry. I brought I brought the receipts. <laughs> and, and then he, he clicks a thing. All these images go up on screen. He's like, wire transfers, bank documents, phone records. And he tells everyone, he's like, go ahead, Google it. He's like, I just dropped it all online. And then Tony calls. He's like, security. Sane tries to move. And then Happy comes, like, knocks him out. He's like, And he's like, I never liked that guy. So then they're celebrating. Tony and Killamonger are drinking, whatever. So now Tony wants him. He's like, I want you by my side 24-7 as my new COO. And Pepper here is just like, you're giving him Obadiah's job? And he's like, yeah, why not? Whatever. So then Pepper goes outside and she's talking to Colonel Rhodes and she's she asks like what can he tell her about their night in shining camouflage. So he has like you know five, like, he talks about his records like MIT and whatever service and he, he's like you know he's done pretty good for a kid from Oakland. Pepper uh, oh he also he worked in the covert squad he specialized in something was like basically like assassinations and stuff like that. So Pepper she says like everyone wants something from tony stark um she's like my job is to sniff them out but with with tony she doesn't smell anything it's like she can't figure or with with stevens she can't smell anything she can't figure out like what he wants because it doesn't look like he wants anything but she says everyone does so then at stark's mansion uh he shows killmonger his cars and he's got this big repulsor gun that he's working about they talk about their fathers and everything like that and Killmonger says that his dad died in gang violence. And Tony's like, weapons in the wrong hands. He's like, I, I wish no one had to use them. And Killmonger starts to say something. And he's like, ah, forget it. And Stark's like, no, what, what? He's like, well, it's my doc- doctoral thesis. He's like, I developed plans for an automated combat drone. He's like, I thought I was going to make human soldiers obsolete. He's like, but I could never crack the interface. And Tony's like, that's because you didn't have me. And he's like, let's do this. Let's rebuild your science fair project. And Tony says, I want to return to favor since you saved my life. So he tells Jarvis, he says, call up the you know thesis project. And Killmonger's like, it was called Project Liberator. And he's like, oh, that's, you know, you got a good choice of words or, what, or names. So this uh, like 3D, like holo image comes up with like this giant mech suit. And Tony's like, wow. He's like, bold design choice. And Killmonger's like, what? I like anime. And Tony's like, well, worst case scenario, we'll end up with the world's most expensive Gundam model, which I was surprised that they like mentioned Gundam by name. There's like something else they mentioned as well. Anyways, at the um, Stark building, things aren't quite working out. You know, they build one, but it doesn't really work. So they need like a new power source, you know, because it, it can't handle the system. Tony comes up, he's like, maybe we can miniaturize an arc reactor. He's like, nah, that's a dumb idea. It probably would work. Killmonger's like, what we need is vibranium. He's because he's like, with the right juice, it can act as a self-sustaining energy source. And Tony's like, well, you know, it's too bad Pops use it all in the last war. And Killmonger 
says, he's like, well, not all of it. And he pulls out his necklace and he has the ring on it. This is his dad's ring or whatever. And so and Tony Stark analyzes it. He's like, where'd you get this or whatever? And Killmonger's like, this sort of stuff pops up all over the globe. You just have to know where to look for it. And Tony's like, well, I might have just a guy. So he's talking to Pepper Potts and talking about Ulysses Claus. And she's like, absolutely not. And she's like, you know, Stark Industries doesn't fraternize with black market arms dealers. And, you know, then Killmonger's like, she's right. Uh, you know, he's like, I agree. He's like, if things go south, sh shareholders are going to flip. He's like, unless we get some sort of diplomatic cover. And Tony's like, we can send Rhodey. He's like, he's Air U.S. Air Force and, you know, he's our military liaison or whatever. So then at the salvage yard off the African coast, Rhodey's meeting with Claw. He has a, a clock comes out. He has a Dora Milaje spear. He says he bought it off the black market for 10 million or for 10 mil. He's what he said. And Rhodey's, Rhodey's like, Stark spends 10 mil at Vegas on a Tuesday. And Claw's like, oh, it's, it's good to know, you know what I'm working with here or whatever. So he opens up this, this like big room full like vibranium and like all these little canisters whatever and then like the door shuts or something like that and claw's like we've been breached She's like get them so they're being attacked uh men are like shooting but you know something's like just jumping around so it's black panther and then uh he walks up to to roadie he tries shooting him like point blank black panther just grabs his gun and like tosses it he's like our, our quarrel is not with you colonel he's and so he wants to take the vibranium back to where it belongs didn't kill wronger um, Killmonger kind of like radios and he's like sorry cuz that ain't gonna fly and then a sonic blast goes off like hurting their ears or whatever Killmonger somehow he has like some invisibility thing because then he appears behind Black Panther he's got the big repulsor gun uh, Black Panther tries attacking but he just like goes down and then Killmonger it's like or he hits him with he hits this other thing and it, I don't know if that somehow that must have killed him and then he's like you know Stark R&D is no joke he's like the sonic taser thing is legit so he takes, uh, then he takes Black Panther's glove off and like, chink, and he gets the claws out, slashes at the wall. And he's like really digging that. Rhodey gasps and he's like, why? And Killmonger's like, you're wearing the uniform of your oppressors. And Rhodey's like, you have to be part of the system to change the system. Killmonger doesn't agree and he like somehow stabbed him or I don't know if he clawed him or did something like that. And then he puts like the taser gun in Rhodey's hands. Claw was like watching all this and he comes out kind of like laughing. He's like, oh, hoo, hoo. He's like, this played out just as you predicted it would. So Killmonger takes the spear, does some fancy twirling and points it at Claw's throat. And Killmonger's like, like, you better load up the product. And then he's like, the door will be here soon. So Killmonger's actually working with Ulysses. So then uh, we see like T'Challa's bodies carried in the casket by the Dora. Rhodey's body's taken, it when, you know, there's a flag over it, whatever. Killmonger's actually there like saluting as Rhodey's brought home. Um, even though he basically killed him. The news reports, you know, Tony's watching, is U.S. military, Stark Industries, implicated in the death of Wakandan Prince. So he's, like, drinking, and, you know, he's not happy. Killmonger walks in. He's like, oh, I brought you a souvenir. So he has a spear. And then Killmonger says that, he's like, we lost one of our own. He's like, we have to show the world who's boss. And Tony's like, and who is that? Killmonger's like, well, last time I checked, your name was on the building. And Stark's like, yeah, and the paper trail, too. He's like, you know, you, you saw to almost everything. And then he turns on this holo display that, like, shows, like, the whole room. It's, it's basically the, the the warehouse place, and, you know, Rhodey's on the ground, and you see Killmonger staring with the gun. Tony's like, you know, never play Clue with Jarvis. He sees all. And Killmonger's like, go ahead, call the cops. He's like, still won't get here in time to save you. And Tony's like, the police are the law. He's like, I want justice. And then, shink, 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 like all metal shutters, like sealed the, the windows and everything like that. 
And, you know, he's just like smiling. He's like, he tells Tony, he's like, you never lifted a finger in your life. He's like, are you going to ask Pepper to come in and kill me? He's like, no, probably not. He's like, there's there's no need. He's like, I melted down that ring, you know, his, his vibranium ring. He, and then jing, jing, the big drone walks in. Tony's like, you're right. The vibranium worked like a charm. So now Killmonger, he's looking a little angry or concerned. So he, uh, uh, the, the big drone grabs Killmonger, like tosses him. It's like not even that, that big of a, a throw. So it was kind of like a wasted shot. Um, Killmonger gets his feet, pulls out a gun, shoots. It's like, okay, there's no point of that. It um, punches him back. He goes flying into wall. Tony um, reminds him, he's like, don't forget, you you programmed it. It has, you know, your moves are the drone's moves. Then Killmonger's like, well, then I'll just have to freestyle. So he sees the spear. He dives between his legs, grabs it. He's like hitting it, slashing at it, stabs it in the head. And then he throws it at Tony. And it it's like weird because he, he drops his drink. He's like, holy crap, he, he impaled him. But it gets him in the shoulder. It's like, okay, that's uh, not that that big of a, a deal or whatever. And Tony's, you know, he's like, I, I really thought it was the two of us against the world. And Killmonger's like, we're not fighting the same battles. And Tony, you know, he thought they were the same. He's like, they were both orphan gearheads or whatever. And Killmonger's like, the difference between you and me is that you can't see the difference between you and me. And he, uh, he like thrusts the spear a little more. And it's like, okay, then Tony's like, Ugh. he passes out. But did he die? Because he was just hit in the shoulder. It's like, it didn't look like it was like anything vital or whatever. And, uh, you know, because Killmonger, you know, his shirt got ripped off during the fight. And, you know, all his little scars. And he said, you know, each one is a kill or something like that. And then he's like, oh, you know, I wasn't intending to put you on here. But he puts a little, like, scar notch on his body. So I guess he killed Tony Stark with that. I don't, that doesn't make sense. Anyways, then Tony's in a body bag. Uh, General Thunderbolt Ross is there. He says it was a vibranium spear, Wakandan issue. So it was a, definitely a hit job. Killmonger's like, they wanted to send a message. And then Happy's like, how did none of this get caught in security? And Pepper's like, Jarvis was wiped clean conveniently. And she like looks at Killmonger. He's like, what are you implying? She's like, oh, I don't know, three murders in two days and, you know, one man at the center. And Ross is like, oh, whatever. He's, you know, he, like, puts it, you know, doesn't want to hear that. He's like, the Wakandans want a war. He's like, we'll give them one. He's like, put the Liberator, Liberator drones into production. And Pepper's like, hold on. He's like, that'll require a multi-billion dollar allocation. She's like, the board's going to have to be consulted. And Ross is like, well, the Patriot Act should cover the red tape. He's like, the U.S. military is hereby seizing control of all Stark industry assets. He's like, you work for me now. So production begins. Um, Killmonger, you know, he's helping out, doing stuff, whatever. Then he's like leading this army of marching drones. They land and like claws there to greet them. Um, then they decide to go on a little road trip and they go to like the edge of the Wakandan shield. And, you know, you can see like the, the force field. And he's like, Wakandans are full of surprises. And then, uh, you know, Killmonger goes up to it, whatever. And he, he like says, he's like, I found it, Dad. And then Klaus, he's like, we should probably leave before, you know, they find the door find us or whatever. And Killmonger um, walks up to him. And he's like, like you said, Wakandas are full of surprises. <laughs> Shoots Claw, like up, up, point blank. So then he's carrying his body. He's greeted, you know, there's a bunch of door melage with their spears, whatever. He's like, I come with a gift and an offering of justice. He reveals himself as Injataka, son of Prince Injobu. I think is what what they were. So then they're they're talking. The queen thinks it's a lie. She doesn't think that Njobu had any kids. Um, he says that you know he brought the man who stole their vibranium and murdered their people as proof of his loyalty to Wakanda. 
King Chachaka puts his hand like, or his, like on Killmonger's like face or whatever. He's like, you have the eyes of your father. And Killmonger's like, you know, my, my father told me stories of you two, like sitting on the whatever hill looking at something. And Tachaka's like, I told the same stories to my son. And Killmonger's like, I spent my whole life, you know, looking for you, whatever. And Tachaka's like, you know, rest easy, nephew, you are home. And then Killmonger smiles. And he's like, but there's, you know, his, his smile kind of face. He's like, there's no time to rest. He's like, war is here. So he tells him about the drones, and you know. So here's you know we see Shuri and this whatever this time, and she's like definitely younger. She says that they work via like a hive mind or something like that because it's faster for making decisions. Killmonger suggests letting them through the force shield to disrupt the satellite connection, and Shuri thinks that letting killer robots into the city is not a good idea. But he's like, that's the only way to disconnect them from the Jarvis AI. After that, they'll destroy them. And Americans won't have any vibranium left to rebuild. And sure, he's like, you know, why should we trust you? And he's like, I know what it's like to have someone taken from me. He's like, you know, if I had the chance to avenge my father, I wouldn't hesitate. So the drones are approached. Uh, then at the drone command center, Nevada, you know, Ross is there. The shields are opened up and then they can actually see Wakanda. He's like, oh, it's true. You know, rumors or stories are true, whatever. So once they march in there, then uh, Killmonger's like, no, uncle or whatever. So then the shields close down. The drones march a little bit, but then they power down. And Ross starts yelling. He's like, what happened? He's like, we lost or whatever. He's like, get them back online. So T'Chaka's proud of Killmonger. He's like, your father would be proud too, whatever. And he's like, you know, whatever. He's like, you'll always have a home of Wakanda. And he whispers, he's like, I want a little more than that. So he hits a button on a Stark Industries key fob. And then uh, the drones power back up. And Shuri's like, that's impossible. He's like, they should be disconnected. Killmonger's like, Stark must have had a backup transmitter. And she's like, why would he do that? And Killmonger's like, the man was a villain. He's like, he didn't trust anyone. So um, they charge at the drones. They have like these energy shields go out to it. The door melage, like jump over, you know, the dudes, the people with the shields start attacking. Killmonger jumps off the, like the balcony, goes onto like a rhino, armored rhino, grabs the spear off the ground. And he's like, Wakanda forever. And he's like helping them out, smashing a lot of them, saving, you know, the lives. Cause I think the queen actually was out there fighting too. So then later after the battles won, Killmonger's looking over his valley like a sunset, whatever. T'Chaka comes up to him and he's like, What do you think? He's like, Oh, it's you know, it's amazing or whatever. And then Killmonger bows to him and he he's like, you know, let me be your servant, or whatever. So T'Chaka prepares a ceremony. He has like the bowl with the he's like, with the herb, you'll become the next Black Panther. So then Killmonger sits up in the mystical plane. There's like some Black Panthers in a tree. One turns into T'Challa. And it comes up to him and asks him if it was worth it. And Killmonger is like, yeah. He's like, I did what I had to do. And T'Challa's like, for what? A throne? And he's like, for, for vengeance, for, for my father. And he's like, for all my brothers and sisters who suffered through oppression while you just sat back and watched. And T'Challa is like, you believe the cure for human suffering is more suffering. Killmonger says, the cure is power and now I have it. And T'Challa says, because you stole it. Power unearned can be a very volatile force, cousin. It'll get the best of you eventually on your plane or on ours. So then Ross is talking to Pepper. And in the background, you see like people putting up this posters like only you can avenge Tony Stark. Ross says the destroyers, uh, they have like these whatever are circling African coast. They, they're going to they have a bunch of missiles that are going to be aimed at Wakanda. And uh, she's like, do you really think that's going to work or it's overkill? Whatever. So she just goes into her office and Shuri is sitting in her chair. She's like, you know, what are you doing here? Whatever. She's like, I'm here to help. Passes her a data pad. Pepper looks at it. There's a, like an image of Killmonger with a taser gun or whatever. She's like, I knew it. He killed Tony and your brother. 
And she's like, how'd you get this? And Shuri's like, Mr. Stark was a genius, but he's not the only genius. So and she's like, it appears we have a common enemy. So Pepper says, unfortunately, both our sides refuse to see it. And Shuri's like, so let us open their eyes together. And then it ends. The Watcher's like, heroes are never really gone. They live forever to do, or as do to ones they inspire to carry on the fight, whatever. So the episode, yeah, I, I, it was good. It was fine. I'm, I'm kind of thinking, I don't know how I feel about some of these episodes. I mean, they're all good and everything, but they're not like super crazy awesome i don't know i mean they're good but yeah i don't i don't know so but it, i mean it was good i'll say that but it, it didn't like blow me away but again i found out it was like monday when i the stuff started popping up on social media about what this next episode so i don't know what's gonna be next but i'm sure again by the time this podcast is live or shortly after it's going to be all over. Because I, I would just want to be surprised. I want to pop the episode on and like, holy crap, it's about this. So, whatever. Okay, with Titans, Season 3, Episode 8, Home. So, that this was a good episode. And, um, yeah, it, it it almost felt like some time had passed between this episode and the last episode. Because the last episode ended with, uh, like, Crane and, and Jason leaving and everything like that. So, here... But then, you know, it, it does, it starts off with Gar talking to Molly. So that's like, that picks up right after. So that's, there was that little, it, it kind of felt a little weird how there's like that. And it wasn't inconsistent, but it, to me, it just kind of felt weird. I don't know. So he's, he's talking to Molly and she's like, she asks like, what's Jason's connection to the Titans or something like that. And he says that they had friends in common. And he asks if she's seen him lately. And she's like, well, you know, not in a while. Last time she saw him, he found a missing kid for her. And he seemed okay other than a wax suit. Uh, so Gar explains that, you know, Jason needs help. There's some people that want him dead. He just wants to help him. And she says that, you know, he was erratic. And then, you know, one day it was like the old Jason just died. So, you know, he's just emphasizing, you know, he he wants to speak with him. He wants to fix this. And she asks, she's like, well, are you the man for the job? And then he's like, well, it's not just me. And then outside you see there's a big T shining in a, in the light so it's like a titan's signal instead of a bat signal so the signal is on the news dick's talking to barbara and he's joking he's like well you know can you can we make it bigger you know bigger than a, the bat signal at least so you know they're talking on the phone there's this big gala tonight and they're, they're going he's making a, a sandwich before they go and he mentioned it to someone that he's like have you seen the food at these things or whatever so as he's talking to her he like drops a knife at one point and she's like what was that and he's like oh nothing but I don't know if he dropped it. Like, I feel like it was supposed to mean something like, was his hands a little shaky or something like that? Or, or did he, you know, dropping it? And then, you know, he doesn't want Barbara to know that he's eating before. I'm not really sure what that was. Then we see, uh, cause you know, Corey comes in and he talks to her for a little bit. Connor and Blackfire are, they've hooked up. They're lying in bed. And so I'm assuming they did their little, uh, you know, whatever, m- mambo, <laughs> mambo jumbo. Uh, they're looking at like planets projected above them. I don't know where it is, how they're projecting, where it's coming from. But like first, you know, they're kind of looking at, at Krypton and Connor wants to see where Tamaran is. And, you know, so then she's like, oh, it's a different galaxy. So she, she takes it and they look at it. And uh, I think he's like, you know, you ever, do you think you want to go back there? And she's like, I'm not sure if I can. So Gar calls Dick for the cave. He, sees because because uh, on the security footage t 
Tim Drake is outside the door. He wants to talk to Dick. Dick's like, why? Well, I'm about to leave. And he's going to Gallus. He's like, I can't be late because he has to go pick up Barbara. And uh, then Gar's like, he says he knows that he's Nightwing. Uh, so, you know, he comes in and talks to him. He's, you know, Tim says he also knows Bruce Wayne is Batman. And then, uh, you know, as he's, he's talking to him, he's taking out, he has like all this like old stuff. He says he was there from the beginning and at the end. So he has like some flying Grayson stuff. He, he said he was there the night his parents were killed. Dick signed a poster for him before the show. He says he remembered like every move he ever performed. And then one day he saw Batman and Robin on the news chasing Penguin. Robin did a one-handed meat hook to scale a rain gutter. So I guess it's some move. He says it's a trapeze move that only two people in the world can do. So it's like Dick and his dad. So obviously his dad's dead. And Dick's like, he just kind of shrugs. He's like, so Robin pinched my moves. He's like, I can't copyright them. Tim continues and he's like, then the Titans made a splash. Um, you know, he heard they were good. So he started keeping track of them or whatever. And he's like, guess what? Nightwing also does a one-handed meat hook. And he says that, um, you know, he was Robin and then Nightwing. And then, you know, Dick picks up a picture or whatever. And Tim's like, you know, you can keep them. I have copies. And he says, like I said, you know, stole my moves. And then he, whatever, he's like, well, if you know, follow me. So they go into the kitchen. So the news is still on. They're still talking about like the... The, the titan signal and he's like you know my, my dad got shot and the titans get a light show and then dick's like you know he turns a little ipad screen whatever and he's like you know i'm sorry your dad got shot and tim's like you know wouldn't happen if batman was here and he tells dick he's like you know he's like you need help he you know he's like i want to be the next robin and then you know dick kind of turns around he's like you're barking up the wrong tree he's like i appreciate your imagination he's like bruce wayne is just a philanthropist you know he's currently consulting in europe he's like i'm just a, a former detroit city cop He's like, he's like, come on, I'll give you a lift home. Then it cuts to Crane and Jason. They're like in this old factory or whatever. Crane's like trying to cut a hole in the floor. And Jason's there because, you know, he, he wants to get, he just used like the last of his drug from an inhaler. You know, it's like empty. Crane sees him. He's like, oh, you're back. So this is like where it's weird. It's like, what happened? They were in a van together when they, they left, when they left the ice cream place. And he's like, now he's your back. So Jason said that he needs more. And Crane's like, well, you have to cook your own. He's like, I'm out. And then he's like, well, what's that behind you? Because, you know, there's like all these like barrels of stuff. And Crane says, that's too concentrated. He says, it's deadly in its uncut form. So Jason's just like, he's like ticked off. He starts to leave. And Crane's like, you know, it's like, we're just a few swift strokes away from the sweetest comeback the world has ever seen. He's like, they're going to make a biopic about us, you know, all this stuff like that. And, you know, he's saying how they did this and that. And Jason's like, yeah. And then the Titans wiped us out. And Crane's like, you remember why we're here, right? And Jason's like, well, you know, that's, that's a little hazy. He's like, you know, you zombified me, remember? He's like, oh, yeah. So Crane says they're at a pump station above the Cortland valve station, which controls all the water supply for all of Gotham. He's all he has to do is drill through a flimsy piece of steel on the floor and then take his little friend and dump it into the water supply. And then as he's saying this, the drill kind of gets like out of his hand and he like kind of jumps back, whatever. Jason like laughs at him and Crane kind of laughs too. But then he's like, oh, but if you think that's funny, waiting to see what, you know, we do to Gotham. It's like Gotham's going to destroy itself. And then, you know, he, they're, they're, him and Jason are talking about, like, using each other's. He, and he's like, you know, I gave you life. And Jason gave him secrets about Batman, Dick Grayson. And, and he's like, and what's his name? Hank. And then Jason hits him. He, you know, he's, when he mentions Hank, he's like, Crane's like, are you done? And he hits him a couple more times. And he's like, now I am. And he walks out. So things aren't going so well between Crane and Jason. 
Jason or Dick um, drops Tim off on his, his motorcycle. So it's weird. He's like, he's supposed to go pick up Barbara, but he's on his motorcycle. Is he going to take her van or whatever? So Tim's about to leave, but then he's like, you know, don't worry. He's like, I won't tell anyone. He's like, I just, you know, one thing he's like, I just couldn't figure out who the second Robin was. He's like, I used to think it was Jason Todd because he was also Bruce Wayne kid. But then I saw him the other night, uh, you know, the night my father was shot. And I guess this is, I don't know if it's his, his stepfather, whatever. You know, he said he was standing across the street and Dick's like, he hears us and he's like, well, you know, it's nice to meet you. And Tim's like, yeah, we'll meet again. So Barbara calls Dick. She's like, I'm coming down. He's like, well, I'm not there yet. Um, he asked her to do like a secure to look up the security footage outside the Drake restaurant. And she looks what her does, you know, facial recognition stuff. And she sees Jason. So she's able to track him through other computers or cameras, whatever, like where he went after, you know, he went to this like liquor store or whatever. And, and they're able to do this. So find him. And she's able to track his location to, to 10 minutes ago. And then as Dick's on his motorcycle, he's like stopped at, you know, like a light or whatever, you know, there's some cars by an intersection. He sees Jason like with a bottle in the bag. So Dick calls out, he's like, Jason, he drives, you know, around, goes after him, gets hit by an SUV and goes flying. And then he's like all dazed, you know, he's, he's like barely conscious. Jason walks up to him as he's just lying there and then he passes out. So then Connor and Blackfire are going at it again. Um, but then there's like a bunch of purple lights, like smoky lights, whatever, under the bed. The bed kind of breaks a little bit. Then Corey walks in. Connor zips out. Um, I don't think she saw him. and uh, Or maybe she did. Uh, Blackfire is like, it's not what you think. And then Corey raises her hands. Her eyes glow. And then she starts to fire up. And Blackfire is like, <laughs> she like does some like weird hiss or something like that. And then, like, it's somehow it snaps her out of it. And she's like, what are you doing? And Corey's, like, shocked. And she's like, I don't know. And Blackfire's like, you almost cooked me. And so it's she's like, it's happening again. And Corey asks, she's like, I thought it was coming from you. She's like, uh, no, uh, I was uh, sleeping. And Corey says, you know, it's like someone is trying to tell me something. So Dick wakes up in the hospital. Barbara's there. And he asks her, how, how was the gala? And she's like, it was amazing. She's like, I danced my ass off. And the doc's like, you're a liar. She's like, you know, or she's like, she's lying. She's like, she was here 10 minutes after you you came in. So, you know, obviously she was worried and everything like that. So Barbara's like, somebody uh, anonymously called 911. And so she's like, you know, it must have been Jason. Because, uh, you know, Jason was standing over him. And she's like, you know, he could have killed you, but he called 911 instead. Dick's like, he's he doesn't, he's not really sure. He doesn't buy it. Um, he's like, you know, cause he's off his drug. So Dick says that, you know, he'll, he'll be easier to finish off now. And she tells him, you know, as he's sitting there, there's like an optometry line thing. Cause you know, he wants to get up and, and leave, but she's like, you know, you're probably not ready yet. She's like, read line six. And he does. And she's like, okay. She's like, read line eight. He looks at it and it starts to move around like a Rorschach thing. And there's like a bat or whatever. And then it reverts back. And then he's able to read the line. So he doesn't tell her what's going. So there's something happening to him. I don't know if somehow he got drugged a little bit or caught a whiff of it. Somehow it's affecting him. And I don't know if there's something that I just, I'm totally, I missed or I forgot. But yeah, there's, there's all that. Corey, um, she goes back to the sensory deprivation tank. Uh, she's with, with Connor and Blackfire. And Connor's like, isn't this how Gar ended up locked in the back of a trunk? And she's like, well, you know, I have you, you two now. And she's like, so I have to try this. 
And then um, suddenly she's like in a theater audience and, and this baby carriage floats down from the stage and some lady's like, my baby. <laughs> and then she goes up to, you know, she looks in a like a, the program, but it's like all black. So she goes up to the, the baby carriage and she looks in and there's a baby and with like green glowing eyes. So is that supposed to be her? I mean, I don't really know what that's about. And then she's standing on the streets and it's kind of like run down part of town because there's like graffiti everywhere. And then Connor and Blackfire walk up to her. So Blackfire's like, are you okay? She's like, you know, you, you stole a car or whatever. And she's, but they stole a cart, one of Bruce Wayne's cart. You know, they, they followed or whatever. And she's like, Blackfire's like, you, you kept circling the spot. And she's like, oh, I don't know. She's like, well, you know, she's like, I'm fine now. I'm awake. They're, they're going to drive off. And then Corey's like, you know, before she leaves, she's like, hey, so you two are sleeping together? And then they're like, oh, crap. You know, because they were found out. So Crane's um, lying on the floor at the factory place. He's like twitching, for, I guess, from getting hit by Jason those those few times. Uh, this dude, like security dude or someone comes in. He has like a, a gun and a flashlight. He's like, hey, you can't be here. And Crane's like, I was just looking for a place to sleep. And the guy's like, hey, did someone beat you up? And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, a friend and I, we had a spat. And dude's like, are you hungry? He's like, I still have a yogurt cup. He's like, but you can't stay here. So it's nice that this guy's giving him his yogurt cup. <laughs> And he's like, they're going to tear this place down. He's, and he's like, then he looks he's like some idiot tried drilling through a 10 foot steel plate with a concrete drill. And then Crane just kind of laughs because he's like, he was the idiot trying to do that. Uh, the the guys, then he sees the canisters. He's like, hey, what's that? And then he, so he starts calling someone. Crane walks up to him from behind and snaps his neck. And then uh, he hears something, like some noise. He's like, Jason? But there's like no one there. And then like later, he's like eating the, the yogurt. So it's like this poor dude, he's being nice, gives you his yogurt and he kills him. Jason walks into like some adult club, like a peep, peep show club. Uh, he goes like in front of his window. There's this guy and this lady sitting on a bed and they ask if he has any requests. This seemed like a little unnecessary because you see the woman's boobs and as she's sitting there and the dude, you know, it's like, okay, it's it's gratuitous. Yes, he's in an adult place and they're like, we can do whatever we want, any style or whatever. And he's like, I just want to talk. And then he wants them, to, he's like, I want you to be Hank and you to be Don. And she's like, wait, I'm a dude? And he's like, no, Don. She thought he said Don. And then he's like, I just want to say I'm sorry, Hank, for killing you. And they're like, he, the dude's like, is, is that supposed to be funny? And Jason's like, no. And then he, he gets up, he's like, I'm not playing this. And Jason just sits there and, and the lady kind of like puts her knees up and covers up a little bit and whatever. And she's like, well, I'm, I'm sure he had it coming. And Jason's like, that's the thing. He didn't. And she's like, well, uh, you know, people do bad things. And she's like, you know, the only place to forgive stuff like that is, is home. And then, then the, the like window thing closes. He's like, it's all gone. And then he, I think, I think he got a text from Molly. I don't think he texted her. I think he got a text from Molly, whatever. Dick calls Barbara. He says that they released him. He asked her if you know she did another sweep for Jason, whatever. This guy comes in when she's on the phone, says they cleaned her ceiling because she was looking before and there was like something was leaking, and then she's she's like you know, she's still kind of talking. She says there, there's a structural problem, whatever. And then Dick's like kind of losing connection. Dick's cab pulls up to Wayne Manor, but then he sees like a kid out in the field with like this old like cheap Robin costume, and the kid's like it's all gone, whatever. He's like he's like you'll never find him. And then uh, the cab driver's like, hey, you know, he's like waiting to get paid. And then, you know, Dick goes inside. So Gar is like eating in the cave, facial recognition is running. Molly calls him. Jason uh, wants to meet Dick, not Nightwing. And I, whatever, Dick thinks it's uh, another setup. 
and uh, he wants to meet in these tunnels. And with these, they're like, well, we'll go with you or whatever. He's like, but with the way the tunnels are set up, because I guess Batman used them before, his, he'll be able to see if anyone else is coming, like, in or out, you know, whatever. So Blackfire and Connor are talking in the car. She says that, you know, they were careless, holding up in a room for 24 hours, saying that they were sick or something like that. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, you know, we could forget the whole thing. You know, she's like, we have nothing in common. And then, you know, there's like a pause and he's like, well, I can't forget it. He's like, it was my first time. And she's like, first Tamaranian? And he's like, no, first anyone. And she's like, oh. And she's like, well, to be honest, she's like, I didn't want to forget it either. And, you know, she's like, I was just trying to give you an out, you know, because I'm the bad sister. She's like, men don't usually stick around. And he's like, you're not bad. And she's like, well, you're not bad either. And he's like, well, technically I'm half bad, but I, you know, get what you're, you're saying. So Dick, um, he opens this thing, you know, he's about to go in a tunnel. Like there's like a, whatever those big doors, like in the cities, the metal doors where you go down the little stairs. Tim walks up. He's like, guess you want to finish him alone. He's like, that's what Batman would have done. And Dick says that he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, I'm on special assignment with the GCPD. And Tim's like, well, you know, Batman used to use these tunnels. I saw him come out once. And Dick tells me, he's like, you know, you should go home before you get hurt. And, you know, he, Tim says that his dad was a cop or something like that. And he taught him how to investigate and shoot. And he's like, you know, he says he's going to find Red Hood and Scarecrow just to show him how it's done. And Dick's like, you know, try saying that's not a good idea. But then, you know, Tim just leaves. And then he goes down and he's like calling out to Jason. Crane um, goes to this like doctor therapist and it turns out it's his mom. And, you know, she says that she thought after his escape from Arkham, he would have left town. He wants to, you know, she's like, well, what do you want? He's like, well, I just want to lay my head on your lap or whatever or get one of your classic lectures. Get me back on track. And she's like, you know, no, you can't do that. She's like, you don't exist for me, whatever. And so apparently she left him at at. Uh, when he was young because she says she deserved better a new life or whatever and then um, then he like covers his face and he's crying he's like i have i have terror mom a terror that i'll fail that i'll fall short again a terror that my ambitions would be unrealized and i see it all i see it all laid out right before me and i'm just as i'm about to break through this dark creature swoops and steals it from me and she's like, well, what's a creature look like? And he's like, it's a metaphor or whatever. And then he's like whimpering. He's like, I'm sorry. And you know, then she kind of looks out the window and he's like, what'd you do? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry, honey. And you can see that there's like an alarm under her desk. So she must have hit it as soon as he got there. And he's like, I forgive you, whatever. And then uh, then we see like, must be shortly in a little bit, SWAT like soldiers come in and her, her head is like, oh, he like snapped her neck like big time because her head is just like hanging back on a chair. It's like pretty nasty. So then he's back at the factory, like talking to himself. So he's like, he's losing it. He's like, you know, I thought you would have come back by now, but you haven't. And then, uh, so it's like, I don't know what's going on. It's like, did, was there a tracker on Jason or anything like that? You know, is he trying to figure out where he's at? Um, Dick hears uh, a kid in a tunnel, but it's like him as a kid. So I, I think it was him when maybe probably doing another one of Batman's tests or something like that. Then Jason says that, you know, him and Crane are finished and you know dick how's dick supposed to know that whatever he says that you know he saw him standing over him and you know he didn't do anything and dick's like well what do you want and he's like i want to come home i want to be with friends he's like i want to be a titan again and dick's like you killed hank and jason's like that was the drugs and that was crane he's like i'm clean now and dick says he's like well you can come home if you give up crane and he's like 
okay, you know, meet me at the old Wellington station at nine. And somehow Crane is listening. And then, you know, he's like, thanks, Dick, whatever. And Dick's like, your family. So at the manor, they're like, you said what? They're like, he killed Hank. He kidnapped kids. You know, he made that woman snap her own neck and all this stuff like that. He's, and, you know, he's offering to turn himself in and turn in Crane. Gar's like, well, what if it was Crane doing the killing? And Dick's like, he's like, no, he needs to be held accountable. And Gar's like, well, you guys forgave me for when Cadmus took me over and had me kill people. And Corey's like, I can't believe you. He's like, you know, Bruce said be a better Batman. She's like, there's two versions, ones that kill and one doesn't. And Dick's like, you know, we should go. So Jason comes out of the tunnel. Tim's watching. He follows him. Jason takes a bus, and I guess Tim got on the bus too. Um, Jason gets off the bus, and then Jason gets off like a little bit after. And then then we I we see Crane is carrying like gas cans inside the, a building um, that Jason went into, whatever. And he like dropped a gun. So Tim sees him. And then, because uh, then Crane comes back out to like get the gun, he starts to run, and Crane shoots him like in the back or something like that. So Jason comes up to him, and he's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "Tim." And he's like, "What are you doing here?" He's like, "I followed you." And he's like, "Why?" He's like, "You know, I wanted to be Robin." And then Crypto comes up barking, and then Connor zips up and sees Jason running. So they're gonna think that Jason did this. Nightwing and the others show up. Connor's like, "The bullet went clean through, but his lungs are filling with blood." So, you know, they're going to call the paramedics. Um, they're going to go into the building while Gar stays with him, with Tim. And uh, so they're going to, Dick's probably going to think that Jason did this. Crane's like hiding somewhere. And then um, he screams, whatever. Uh, Crane's like inside, he's screaming. And then Corey blasts at him. And then, whoosh. So he uh, he made, made the explosion happen. Barbara's told about the explosion. She says, that, you know, call SWAT. Because uh, they got a hit on Jason like a half mile from there. So she, you know, starts to leave her desk and then the ceiling caves in and water pours all over. So I'm not sure what the big deal about that. I don't know if this was intentional, that there was something was set so this would happen. And I don't know if it was supposed to harm her in a way because it's just water. I don't know if it's supposed to short out her computer desk and anything in there. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure what, what, what the big deal is about that. So maybe we'll find out next episode. The factory is ablaze. Dick and Corey, um, they find a hole in a pipe. So they think that they were set up. That you know, So maybe Crane was able to put the, the water, or the chemicals in the water. I don't know. So they use Corey. So she, you know, she's mad. And she's like, did, she's like, did I just dose all of Gotham? And then Barbara's watching as like the mess in her office is cleaned up. And then the Titan signal is on. But it's like red. So it's like, wait, what's going on? so i don't know but it's a I, I it was a good episode so yeah they just killed off tim he's gonna die his lungs filling up with the blood but yeah so we'll see what happens with him because if jason does come back and tim's here you know tim wants to be robin but there's no batman so who's he gonna be robin for and what's gonna is what's jason is jason gonna go to jail for his part in the crimes even if he was drugged or controlled so we'll have to see what's going to happen okay then uh the first movie feature so this came out last week last last week whatever so the voyeurs it was a amazon prime movie and um it has sydney sweeney who i think is in euphoria i only i think i only watched two episodes of euphoria and i i haven't watched i i may watch at some point i don't know and she was also in uh white lotus 
which uh, there was six episodes, and that that was a decent show. I didn't talk about it. It's uh, it was it was a it was a, a decent show on on also on HBO Max, and it also has uh, Justice Smith. I don't know what else. I know he's he's done other stuff. I only know him from Detective Pikachu, and uh, yeah, there's some other people in this. I don't even remember how why I watched this, and I think I heard there's like there's like some twist or something like that. Because watching the trailer, I'm like, I don't know about, that. and I think I mentioned this last week. It's like, is this just gonna be like? like a smut movie and i whatever you know is it just gonna be like erotic thriller or something like that because you know the voyeurs it's about people you know spying on other people you know people like to watch or whatever and some people like to be watched and all that so the the movie is uh which is interesting oh, so i'm look, looking at wikipedia now it says it was shot and set in, in montreal because at first i was like oh is this in new york but then i was like but then you you're like no it's in montreal so that makes sense that they they clearly put it there so um, Sydney Sweeney and Justice Smith, they're uh, this couple, and I don't know how long they've been together, but they decide they're going to move in together. So they get this pretty nice loft and everything like that. But then what they soon discover is uh, their neighbors across the way, you know, the next building over, their their blinds are open like or the curtains are open all the time. They kind of get at first they're like, "Whoa, look at that!" And because like the the dude's this photographer, and you know he takes pictures of models and stuff like that, and and like they they they've seen like the 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 photographer and his wife like going at it and everything like that, and they're like, "Oh, we shouldn't be watching," and and they're like, "Oh no, you want us to watch and, and everything like that." So they they kind of get sort of obsessed with it a little bit, and they're like really curious, like what what's going on, and. uh at one point, or actually, I now don't remember the exact nature of it, but at one point, the the dude, uh, Justice Smith, because they're like, oh, if only we hear what they're saying, and he's like, well, there is a way, or or something, because they, they they talked to his sister and another friend. He had done some because he's a he's like a musician. He does like sound jingle things for I'm assuming or something like that. So he has like all this like sound equipment in in the place. So apparently, I, I don't know if the science works, but. He says that if you shine a laser pointer in, the, the light like vibrates through the glass or something like that. But then what they would have to do is somehow have something to bounce the, the laser back to them. And then somehow they would capture it and then distort it, whatever, siphon it out and, and be able to hear the vibrations or something like that. So their, their neighbors are going to have like a Halloween party. So they basically crash the party to go there. And stuff like that, and then they plant like this mirror on the back of like a a lamp or something like that. That's like right by the window, so they're able to hear them, and you know, and they use binoculars and like that. And then you find out the or the, the somehow uh, Sydney Sweeney befriends the wife because she's like an optometrist, and she comes in one time, so she recognizes, but you know, she doesn't tell her. She's like, oh, we're neighbors, or whatever. And uh, the photographer, he. He's kind of a, a scum, scum, scummy guy, because he starts taking, you know, trying to get the the women to be more comfortable, whatever like that. And he's like, "Look, I'll take my shirt off too," and stuff like that. Because there's like this one model, he's like trying to make moves, and, he, and he's like saying stuff. He's like, "Oh, I, I wonder what you taste like down there," and and you're just like, and and she's like kind of put off by this, and she's about to leave, and then he like he kind of convinces her that they should get together, and he's like married. And she's like, okay, whatever. And she decides to go for it. And so, like, Sydney Sweeney, her name's Peppa, Pippa. 
and so you know she's like upset she wants to tell her friend because she feels bad for her and and stuff like that because you know at one point they get in a fight about something like that and he like turns things around so they really get involved with it and then then it kind of gets dark something happens and then there's something so it gets gets a little crazy gets a little little bonkers so overall i I don't want to go into specifics when i don't want to spoil the whole thing but it was um I, i don't know how realistic this stuff would be I, I do remember one time I went to New York for a toy fair. So it was like in February. And I remember the hotel I was at and uh, the building across the way, like the alley for me, there's like these like two people in a window, like these two shadows like looking. And it was kind of freaky because they didn't look like regular people. They're, they look like kind of aliens just standing there. What it was, I, I think the the building was like some fashion building, or they were like mannequins or something like that. But it was just kind of weird. And but that's what you think about it. And I remember when we, um, when Comic Vine and Giant Bomb moved to the CBS Interactive Building, and in, in, in the city in San Francisco, the building across the way again, there's like this alley. You know, you could see people sitting at their desks and like working. So it's just weird the idea of being in a city and. If your lights are on and your curtains or blinds are open, people can see you. So I can't imagine what it'd be like having, you know, living in a city, having an apartment or whatever, and then just like doing it. Because like I worry about like our neighbors, you know, that's the whole thing. I mean, they're not on the same level as us. We're up a little higher, so they can't really like look in. And it's only like one side of the house. And, you know, and there's some trees and everything like that. But, you know, you kind of become self-conscious if... You know, you don't want people, even if, you know, not that you're doing anything, but it's like, hey, if, if I'm walking by or whatever, you know, I don't really want someone to see me and I don't want to see anyone else. So it's just kind of weird that way. But I don't know. I mean, is there the thrill of it? And and I, I, I've i never lived in a city, so I can't figure it out. Whenever I go, say, at a hotel, you know, I always close the blinds because, again, you never know. Even if there's no one, like, on your same level, I imagine people like higher or lower could see some, you know, to some extent or whatever. So it's just kind of weird. And and uh, thank goodness I don't live in a city because I don't want to be put in a situation. Because again, would you look? Is it human nature to be curious? You know, it's it's like when you see someone talking at a store or whatever. If you hear like a conversation, you know, part of you kind of listens, unless it's just absolutely boring. Or whatever, you're just gonna keep going. But you can't help but hear things, and it's it's just. I think it is human nature, but. This show kind of gets a little bonkers and it does kind of get a little crazy, but I wouldn't highly recommend it at all. I would say, you know, if you care about either of these actors, there's a couple other Ben Hardy and Natasha Lou Bordizo. If you know any of them, care about any of them. But other than that, I mean, it's not for the family. You know, there is nudity involved, sex involved, um, profanity involved. Uh, yeah, and things get a little dark at one point, but it was just uh, interesting, but that's about it. I mean, I'm probably never going to think about this movie again after after I'm done talking about it. <laughs> so that's The Voyeurs. That's my uh, not really amazing recommendation, but something a little different. Um, I wasn't even going to talk about it, but I was like, well, whatever I did, I'll just talk about it for eight minutes or so. So that's The Voyeurs. Okay, then uh, the next movie feature is Kate, which is on Netflix. So um, this just kind of came out of nowhere because I, I remember seeing a, a preview for this. So it's coming out on September 10th. 
And it has Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who is Ramona Flowers. She was in 10 Cloverfield Lane. She was a huntress in Birds of Prey. And also Woody Harrelson's in this. So what the movie's about, and I, I think it takes place in Japan. But basically, and this is another movie where there's not a whole lot I can say without giving stuff away. So this is going to be like super brief. She's an assassin, and um, Woody Harrelson's like her handler. And he's actually kind of, he kind of like raised her for a bit because uh, what happened to her her parents or something like that. But he kind of like trained her and everything like that. So she's like this really good assassin. You know, she like never misses or whatever. And, uh, you know, so we, we see her, you know, she's even th- talking about like retiring. You know, she's just kind of done w- with this and stuff like that. But then, um, of course, during her f- final mission, she gets poisoned and only has 24 hours to live. So apparently there's no cure or maybe there's no cure. I don't want to spoil the end. You know, maybe, you know, what's going to happen at the end. But rather than focus on trying to do things that, you know, you want to do or whatever, she decides she wants to get revenge and, and find out, like, who set her up. So that that's the whole whole bit of it. Now, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I mean, she's, we've as Huntress, you know, she was good at kicking butt. She is here. This is basically like Lady John Wick. And when I think about, you know, as, as I think back about that, I was like, you know, okay, we're starting to get more of these movies, which is fine. If this was a, a movie with a dude in the lead, it would just be like, here's just another action revenge movie, which and it would be nothing. So by making it with a woman, it, it is a little more unique or a little, little fresher, a little more, less common or whatever. And uh, she does a good job in it. She does a really good job. And uh, the action scenes are pretty, pretty good. There's a couple times where it seems like things are a little slow or whatever, just for, for the sake of, you know, whatever, making it work. But things get pretty gruesome. There's some violent stuff. And um, it's, it's, it, overall, it's pretty good. I, I um, there, there's this at one point she like kind of kidnaps this girl, this Japanese girl, to try to leverage it to get it to try to get through the chain of command or whatever. And there's like I won't go into full details about whatever, but this this girl is kind of I, I love her attitude and everything like that, and because uh, you know she's scared and angry, but she's also you know kind of got this like whatever personality, and so there there's some funny moments with them. But yeah, things get kind of like there's one point. Um, Kate's like she's like stabs this dude like through the chin and it, like comes out by his nose and it's just so yeah it it gets gruesome and uh, yeah I don't want to get give anything away so with this I I feel like I have less to say about this than uh, than I do with uh, the voyeurs I like this movie better than the voyeur this is way better than the voyeurs but. Yeah, that's a ba- it's basically a re- revenge movie. It's, okay, on Rotten Tomatoes, is that a 43% off of 58 reviews? Wow, I thought it'd be better than that. Mary Elizabeth Winsett does reliable, gripping work in a title ro- role, but Kate is disappointingly derivative of a n- of numerous other female assassin films. I'm trying to think, like, how many female assassin films have I seen? I know we, we're, we're getting more and more, but I don't think there's that many. Uh, on Metacritic, it was a 46 out of 100. Based off reviews from 20 critics, including indicating mixed or average reviews. Richard Roper of Chicago Sun Times says So, yes, Kate is John Wick meets Die Hard meets Collateral meets Kill Bill 
all the volumes, and we've seen it all before, and you're not going to get much in the way of original plot, but what you will get is a grindhouse of a good time with some bleak and wickedly sharp humor, screen-popping visuals, and some pretty great fight choreography. I totally agree with that. So like, like I said, this isn't the most original creative movie. It doesn't have to be. It's, you know what, if this is what you want, you want some, act, if you want a revenge movie, this is a revenge movie. And uh, it's, it's, it's good. So there's plenty of action and stuff to go around. There's nothing else for me to say. You should check it out. And I like the fact that it's in Japan versus in New York City or in San Francisco or Los Angeles. You know, and it's something. Even though, uh, yeah, there's so many movies in Jap Japan or whatever. But I feel like the, it just gives it a different flavor. And I, I made it. There's some stylistic moments and just really cool. You know, you got the yakuza, you know, thugs and stuff like that. So you should check this out if if you need something to watch. Okay, then the main movie feature is a movie called Cop Shop. Now, this movie, I hadn't heard of it until like a week before when I was trying to figure out what I was going to see when I was looking at my theater showtime to see if they're, you know, what, what they're showing, if there's going to be a Thursday night showing of Cry Macho, because which I still don't know if I'm going to watch Cry Macho for next week, whatever. We'll, we'll talk, we'll think about that in a, in a bit. But then when I saw Cop Shop, I mean, what's this? I was like, Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo? That right there, I mean, no offense to them, but, you know, what kind of look at some of the movies they've done lately. You know, they're they're just um, kind of like okay movies. <laughs> they're, they're not like, like huge, um, big epic movies or box office smash or anything like that. Then I watched a trailer for this, and... I'm like, this is kind of interesting. Uh, it's it's uh, what it says on Wikipedia. So it's directed by Joe Carnahan, who's, um, I think he's he's done some stuff. And I, I think, I don't know if he did A-Team and some other like little things here and there and whatever. Uh, so it's it stars uh, Gerard Butler, Frank Grillo, and Alexis Louder, which I think this is, um, like her, her kind of sort of debut. She might have done some other stuff before. It's set in a small town police station and becomes a battleground between a hitman, a rookie cop, and a con artist. So I, I dug the movie. I did enjoy this. This, this was a fun movie. And I, I was I was pleasantly surprised. I know, know by saying that, that means that, I mean, I, I did have low expectations. Let's be honest. As far as um, what the movie is fully about, so uh, Frank Grillo is—he's the con artist guy, and he's on the run from someone. We don't know what's going on, but because like, it starts off where he's like in a unmarked police car because it has like the the dome light inside, the, the bubble light inside the car. There's like bullet holes and stuff like that. The car is like smoking, and. It and you know it ends up dying, so he's like he has to go out on foot. He he goes to this like there's this big skirmish at a hotel or something like that. And this is I don't think it was in Vegas. It's like somewhere like again the kind of like desert area, and there's like just some big fight. So the rookie cop and she was she was, she kicked ass. I mean she she was great, and she's there. Frank Grill comes up to her and like sucker punches her, and because basically he wants to get arrested. So he's being chased from by someone, and I guess he figures that if he gets arrested, he'll be safe. So he's brought in, 
And then um, shortly after, a drunk driver comes up, almost hits these two state troopers that are investigating the car. They don't realize that the, the car is left, was abandoned by Frank Grillo. And they almost get hit by this car and it, it like kind of drives off the little road. So they, they arrest him. They think he's just this, this drunk dude. He gets put in a cell across from Frank Grillo. And, but that, that turns out to be Gerard Butler. So he was faking in order to get arrested. And then um, things really hit the fan when uh, this hitman guy comes in, but played by Toby Russ. So Toby Russ, uh, you, you may know him. He was in, he was actually in Dickinson. He played her, her dad. He was in The Rental, which was a, a good movie. And um, he was JJ in Glow, which I didn't watch. So, but he, he was he was hilarious in this this movie so he comes in and and uh there's a lot of, a lot of gunfire there's a lot of dead dead cops and uh the it's the rookie is kind of she gets injured and you know she's trying to face him and, you know face off against him and things aren't really going so well uh, and because they're like out in the middle of nowhere so it's not like you know they're gonna. There's gonna be any reinforcements anytime soon. So it's, it's it's like you know Frank Grillo. He's trying to say you know set me free. I can help you. Whatever. And Gerard Butler's like don't listen to him. He's like I can help. So you know it's like who is she gonna trust? And you know, she just doesn't want to trust either of them. But she's like wounded in her side. And this guy's out there. And uh, yeah, I don't want to give too much away. But it was just. So when, when you think about the movie in a way, you know, even if you watch the trailer, it doesn't look like there's anything like overly original that's being brought to the table here. But it, it kind of like that doesn't matter because it's just it's it's a good movie. You know, there, there's it's a it's an action movie. It's a shoot 'em up movie. You know, there's there's a lot of action and gunfire and and violence and stuff like that. So it is kind of mindless in, in that aspect, that regards. But it does do some things pretty brilliantly and uh, you know for for what it is and um i i there are some different things that you know you don't quite see coming you might have an idea how things might end but it does kind of flip things around a couple times and you know kind of goes this way or that way so you know it's it's not fully clear who's going to survive if anyone you know maybe this will be one of those movies where no one survives you know maybe everyone's going to everyone's not going to survive i would absolutely tell you that uh, so yeah, there's a lot of big gruesome things, and the the movie I think it was an hour and forty eight minutes. Because when I went was going to go see this, I was like, this movie's probably like barely an hour and a half, right? But no, it's an hour and forty eight minutes. So that gives it a little more, you know, it's it's close to two hours. So I think that adds a little more legitimacy. I don't know. So I just I had a, a fun time watching this movie, and and there's even some times where I I kind of like chuckled out loud. Yeah, I didn't laugh out loud necessarily, but there, there's a, a couple. Um, I, I don't remember what it was now, but there, there's a couple like little jokes or whatever here and there, and and I I, I thought it it was good. There was the police chief. I'll have to say he was a little stereotypical. He was kind of like like Ice Cube and Twenty One Jump Street, just like yelling at everyone, just like big angry you know black cop. But he was good. And, uh, you know, and it, it does a good job, like just kind of establishing everything, you know, because there's there's a scene at the beginning where, you know, when we first see the, the rookie cop and, uh, you know, Val 
and you know just to kind of see who she is she did seem a little almost a little too sure of herself for being a rookie i mean i don't know i mean just because you're a rookie doesn't mean you're like day one on a job she could she could have been there for like six you know a cop for six months or a year but she's the youngest one so they're still calling her rookie you know that doesn't matter uh, so, so we see like her, like some of the other police officers there, like her, her coworkers or whatever, and just like the relationship she has with them and all that. So I, I thought it was a good job. And then when things start like hitting the fan, it just, it gets like really, really nuts and really bonkers. What I'm surprised, um, I don't know what the, the budget was from this. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say, I don't, I wouldn't think it's like a huge budget, although, you know, there's a lot of like gunfire and explosions and destruction, whatever, stuff like that. But according to Rotten Tomatoes, actually, I don't know. I just looked this up. Hang on. Yeah. So it's still the same. Um, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 80% based on 25 reviews and, um, it's at a 68% audience scores. Cry Macho is at a 52%. So this is 80% from 76 reviews. Cry Macho is 52 and 77 reviews. So it's like the same number of reviews. But I'm assuming the people that reviewed Cry Macho are, are, may not necessarily be the same people that reviewed uh, Cop Shop. <laughs> and uh, the audience score for Cry Macho is a 62%. It's, it's silly to, to compare these two movies. I mean, they have nothing to do with them, with each other. But... Um, because they came out on the same day. That's the only reason I'm bringing this up. Uh, so it's a uh, has an average weighting of six point four out of ten. Um, the consensus, critics consensus on Rotten Tomatoes says it doesn't add many new ingredients to the genre, but action fans in the mood for an old school thriller will be happy to buy what Cop Shop is selling. And that's the other thing. There is there is kind of like this this like seventies vibe to it, which is it's nice. It's not like too much like too over the top where it's like they're trying too hard. It just really hit that vibe. And you know, but there are some aspects with like the music and the intro and everything like that where it just it has this then that that this this vibe and that does help it feel a little separate from the vast number of you know similar movies that are probably like on on demand every week or whatever. So uh, I, I did enjoy this. Um, Metacritic has a weighted average score of 61 out of 100 based on 21 critics. Indicated generally favorable reviews. Audience service by Post Track. Never heard of that. I'm sure I have. Maybe I've said that. Gave the film a 62% positive score with 39% saying they would definitely recommend it. And then um, Ian Freer of Empire Magazine calls it a simple, effective thriller Cop Shop doubles down on pulpy 70s style fun. It proffers little that is novel, but has enough vim and vigor to compensate. So I think it's it's worth checking out. Is it something you should see in a theater? If you can go to the theater, if you do go to the theaters, I would say yeah, it's it's a fun movie to see on the big screen because there's a you know, there's a lot lot going on here. Um, but it's not like crucial. It's, you know, it, it would be fine if you have a, you know, a big screen or decent screens, you know, at home. It, it is cool. It's a, it's a fun movie. I en- enjoyed this. I, I'm really glad I went to see this. I'm, I'm glad that there wasn't anything bigger that came out this week. And I'm sure I would have loved this. You know, I would love this movie more than Cry Macho. Cry Macho, I'm sure is going to be a good movie and I might see it still, but it just looks a little 
I don't want to say stuffy, hoity-toity. I don't know. This was just this was just a fun movie, and uh, that's really all that I can say um, without giving anything else away. But they did they did some good good jobs, and and I Gerard Butler and Frank Grillo were, were great in their roles and everything like that. And like I said, the the the, the rookie, you know, she she did a, a good job um, in this as as well. Um, Alexis Louder. Um, so I definitely say you should watch this. See it in the theater if you can. Rent it when it comes when it's available. You know it, it's worth checking out. And uh, this it's important to support movies like this. You know it's it's not the most original thing, but it it's different. It's you know for those complaining about the Marvel movies, you know all we're getting is, is the cut, cut and paste. You know same 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 thing over and over again. The sequel sequel. This is good that it was it was something different. And um, if it's at all possible in the story, if anyone at all survives, I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel based off of this because uh, assuming anyone survives, that's all. That's all I'll say. Uh, it, it, it was good, and I really enjoyed what they set up. So I'm gonna end it there rather than say anything else. Uh, I I don't want to talk about any gruesome moments or any because i don't want to spoil anything because I, I really think should you should check it out but on that note that is going to be the podcast for this week so big thanks to dave mcphail and andrew Loken. they are big supporters of the show you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash shaman from heck any amount you can commit to will be awesome and if you commit at the rick jones tier or higher you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week Currently talking, wrapping up the Vision Quest storyline from 1989, written and drawn by John Byrne. The mystery of Billy and Tommy, the Wanda and Vision's kids, and uh, the glorious appearance of <laughs> Faster Pandemonium with baby baby arms, babies on his hands. Um, but yeah, I'll be talking about a couple movies and then probably doing a DC story arc, which I haven't figured out what. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. Um, but if you can't commit to monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash G-Man for Mech, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. And that is ko-fi.com slash G-Man for Mech. As far as next week, so as I kind of was saying, I, I don't really know what I'm going to talk. There's nothing coming out. This is like the first time in, in a long time now uh, that we haven't had anything. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything opening which is surprising. I mean, it's not that surprising. I mean, it, it's bound to happen as, you know, there's still a lot of things delayed and being pushed back. And so I don't know if I, I kind I don't know if I can bring myself to watch Cry Macho right now. I mean, I'll probably watch it at some point. But the other option is uh, Nightbooks, the Netflix that, that came out was last Wednesday. So that's with, with Kristen Ritter. Um, I just I worry that this might be too kitty. I mean, it's 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 supposed to be kind of scary or not, but it's it's based off of some books, I guess. I don't know anything about about the books, but looking at, and, and I don't know why I my go to is Wikipedia. According to Rotten Tomato, whenever this was written, it has an approval rating of eighty percent based on fifteen reviews. So it's only fifteen as this is written. I don't know if it's been updated since then. But 80%, that's pretty good. Again, the question is who reviewed it? You know, who are these 15 reviewers? You know, they maybe they just really, really, whatever, you know, if, if they like this. Uh, Metacritic gave it a 65 out of 100. 
um, based on five critics indicated generally favorable reviews. Maybe I will watch that because I think even I mean the movie doesn't have to be great, doesn't have to be spectacular, doesn't have to be for me. But you know maybe there'll be enough to talk about there because I I do think Kristen Ritter is cool. Uh, not that I've never met her or anything like that, but you know I I loved her as as uh, Jessica Jones and you know she was good in in uh, Breaking Bad. Um, I still haven't seen the the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three, but that might be the movie feature because I don't think there's anything else. So we may have to go with that unless unless something else somehow pops up. And then after that, I think the following week will be Venom and then No Time to Die and then Halloween Kills and then Dune. And then um, the 29th, there's like three movies coming out or two movies and then uh, other stuff. So, you know, we do have a lot of stuff coming in. Um, in october and november but it's just this week so that's gonna be it that's gonna be this week's show thank you for listening thank you for being awesome thank you for your support i hope you are doing well i hope um you're having a great time in life i hope things are going kind of how you'd want them to be and i hope you remember to be good to each other 